Welcome to podcast. As normal, your host Devin, Tipo, and this bitch Tipo. Yay! Um, got a, a special one here today. Just looking at shit because we're never um, prepared before we hit the record button, but that's just who we are. <laughs> Hopefully, right now, this is you're thinking to yourself, this is the best sounding podcast that these guys have put out because. We're back in the pig pen, baby. Yeah. First, first episode, back first, in the pig pen. John. Clint's still not here. Clint's still not here. That's pretty normal anymore. Yeah. He's pretty much a guest at this point. Forgot who he was. So I think this is episode 19, technically. Is it really? Yeah, we had 16 with uh, Clay, and then we did two of the coffee break episodes. I think this might fall under the coffee break episode oh. again, because I don't know how much hunting we're going to talk about. So basically... We have, obviously, we started the podcast, and I'm talking to our guest right now before I introduce him. Um, we started around the basis of being a hunting podcast, but it's turned into a lot more than that. And most of the stuff that we've talked about so far has been more police-related um, because we suck at hunting. So, so there's only so much we're, we we're, we're so terrible. <laughs> but we're learning, so it's cool to like start that base and people can follow us. So episode, I believe, 19. This will be episode 5 of the Coffee Break, if that's the one we go with. Um, I still like doing it up, but... What makes it coffee break? Uh, it's kind of like um, whenever cops get together and just kind of chill together. We're usually drinking coffee. It's usually a coffee break if we're on shift and, okay. uh, you know, middle of the night or something. We usually have, like, midnight coffee mm-hmm. and go down and, and kind of hang out. Oh, yeah, just bit. let everybody know, hey. I mean, I'm <laughs> we're going to do a legal activity. Do it then. Midnight. Some, <laughs> yeah, right on the dot. They already know what time we're on shift, shift mm-hmm. change. I mean, we thought about shift change because that's something too, but coffee break, everybody can kind of understand what the heck's going on. So, Anyways. You guys got to change your lights too. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we're aware of that one. <laughs> you can see the fucking LEDs coming. I cannot tell you how many times I've told Sam and shit. Like, yeah. Give me one dim headlight and one like normal headlight. Like Nobody would ever know. No. Yeah. I mean, people, they'd, they'd finally get it, but anyways. It's just so more so much harder to distinguish that from a squad car Absolutely. versus now. You see them let headlights. You you're see just, them blocks and blocks yes. away, dude. It's, I can't tell you how much our guests used to tell me, like, hey, I see you over there. <laughs> I see you creeping up on me. <laughs> Once or twice. I can't wait to get into that. So, before I introduce <laughs> that, that part of this and our guest, um, we're going to do our end of watch. You want to go first? Yeah, let me pull that back up here. So we have Illinois State Trooper out of District 10, which is our own district from Pesodum. We have Trooper Todd Haneken. Uh, he is in a watch is March 25th, 2021, approximately 10.42 a.m. Uh, Trooper Haneken was on duty in his police vehicle. He was involved in a single vehicle accident. Uh, I don't believe we've heard the details of that yet. But he was extracted from the vehicle and taken by AirLife. Uh, he did succumb to his injuries. Um, Trooper Hannikin was 45 years old, 20-year veteran of the Illinois State Police, survived by his wife, two sons, and uh, the rest of his family. Uh, may you rest in peace. And thank you for your service. May you rest in peace, brother. And then uh, another one from our own community, uh, Brett D. Castle. Brett was from Learning, Illinois. He passed away on Wednesday, March 24th, um, a day before his 50, 51st birthday, actually. Um, let's see here. Trying to see the details. This is his whole obituary, so I'm trying to go through all the stuff. Uh, so for the past 
Let's see here. He was a life member of the uh, NRA, a member of Charleston Moose Lodge, and the uh, Fraternal Order of Eagles for Mattoon. And for the past 15 years, Brett served the citizens of Coles County as a deputy sheriff, correctional officer, field training officer, and firearms instructor, instructor and was a proud member of the Coles County uh, FOP, Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 207. He was an outdoorsman, avid fisherman, um, would take annual fishing trips to Canada. He enjoyed hunting, uh, especially feral hogs in South Carolina, which is something uh-huh. that uh, me and Didn't Leonard about to do, not in Carolina, but uh, go after some hogs. I like the bull and, uh, yeah, a lot of other hobbies. And, you know, from talking to, like, friends that we have that are in law enforcement that know him really well. Uh-huh. I, did, I mean, we discussed, me and Poland discussed it. We never really knew him really well, but <clears throat> nah. what we did know, you know, he was a hell of a, hell of a sharpshooter. Oh, yeah. Um, like to like shoot guns and, and do all that stuff. So. I think he was a regular at the uh, active <coughs> firearms for the bowling pin shoots, and I think he won it quite a few times. Yeah, so. so. Sound like he was a hell of a dude. I uh, wish we could have got to meet him a little bit more. I, I mean, I saw him several times in the courtroom and stuff like that, but I never really, I, I never spoke to him. But mm-hmm. regardless, rest in peace to, to Brett and of course. all of our friends and everything that are, are grieving right now. And sorry for your loss. So, hard transition. Back to positive. Tyler Ward, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? The guest, the first guest back in the pig pen. Man, I'm excited for this one. Um, I kind of want to give you the floor here in a second, but I want to do kind of a brief introduction um, for those that don't know. Actually, do a very brief introduction of yourself, and then we'll kind of get into more. But for people who may not know who you are, um, kind of who you are, how you got to where you're at, and we'll dive into some deep shit, but um, just kind of a brief overview. Okay. So, Tyler, obviously. Um, you're being so fucking nervous. Adjusting the mic for me. <laughs> it's like it's funny because, like you said, you're and you talk to people, but you don't ever know who's listening. Right. Um, so well, don't worry about anybody listening to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found out my wife is the only one that listens to this. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Shout out to Steph. Appreciate your support. You support more than Tyler does. Good. <laughs> totally no, that Tyler. Oh, yeah, Tyler. Anyway, so um, I'm here probably because uh, I was a drug addict. Okay. And, uh, where are you from? Let's start. Where are you, where are you from? I'm from Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada. When did you come to the Coles County area? I moved to I moved to Illinois when I was 13. Okay. So my freshman year of high school, I came two days no late. Shit. I didn't know that. Two yeah. days late. Yep. Oh yeah. Got thrown into uh, high school in a random town where I didn't know anybody and Oof. smallest kid in class. And unfortunately, <laughs> my only friend at the time came from eighth grade, <laughs> and. Uh, would beat me up in wrestling practice. I would kick his ass. Dude, destroy me. It was, it was terrible. Some... <laughs> well, he could have been much bigger. No. We'll get, we'll get into that story. <laughs> okay. So, um, after high school, you... After high school, I did what? Do you tell me, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. Uh, the people that are listening don't know. Okay, so, after high school... Uh, Not real deep, just college, stuff like that. Okay, I went to McKendry University, um, got a scholarship there, and went and wrestled. A, uh, wrestled for five years. I have a bachelor's degree in environmental studies, and uh, as of right now, I sell roofs. Fuck so, yeah. Oh, yeah. They seem to be doing pretty well, so. Yeah, dude, actually, I'm doing very well. Very well, so. Which is a huge reason why I wanted to get you in here. Um, like I talked to you about like, yesterday or the day before, whenever um, I called you before, or after, I guess, we... we decided to do this was that I felt like you have a 
pretty phenomenal story. Um, it can be super motivational to, to people, um, but I feel like you're at that point in your life where you're ready to share your story, and, and a lot of people could benefit from that. So I wanted to get you behind the mic and, and kind of talk about that. And <clears throat> obviously, I'm a, I'm a little bit part of that story. Yeah. So, you know, we can we can dive into that stuff. So. Hardee's. Hardee's was there. Hardee's was a good, good, uh, good spot. So, so rolling it back, man. Rolling back the clock. Um, you know, like you said, when when you moved here from Reno, um, it was your freshman year of high school. So I was in eighth grade, and obviously it was wrestling. I'd been wrestling my entire life to that point, um, and I didn't have anybody really around my size to wrestle with. So me and my dad went to one of the high school meets and saw your little blonde ass. Like, hey, he's like exactly my size. Um, let's see if he wants to come in and wrestle. And I had Matt in my basement, so he agreed to it. And I'd like would use your face to mop up the floor. <laughs> Dude, he killed me. It was, it was, it was crazy. So he, so he brought you over to just kick your ass Dude, the whole time. Dude, it was a setup. It was a setup. It was not even fun. <laughs> but it was honestly the best thing that could happen with his wrestling career. Oh, 100%. that's hilarious. So from that time, that was my eighth grade year, in the middle of wrestling season, to, you know, fast forward one year. In just one year's time, it went from, it went complete 180. He started beating the absolute shit out. He learned how to wrestle from getting his ass kicked. Yeah. And I, I think that's that. a, I think that's a good um, kind of overview of your life right now. Oh, 100%. Like, and we'll get into that, but like, you know, life kind of kicked your ass for a while, and it was like, it was, just like in wrestling, whenever you finally figured it out, it was like almost a, a flip of a switch. Yeah. So, and I feel like I always saw that in you, so again, we'll get to that a little bit later, but, so yeah, it went from me just beating the dog shit out of him to him just <laughs> fucking turning around and just putting it places that I didn't, yeah. that didn't see any sunshine. So, and actually, <laughs> my freshman year, we were, we had a Mattoon tournament. I tagged you. And we were in, no, not even that. We we met up in the finals, and he tech pinned me. So no shit. Tech falls whenever you beat somebody by fifteen points. They stop, it's a mercy rule whenever yeah. somebody kicks your ass so bad they stop the match completely. So it had gotten to that point, but he had me on my back, so he went ahead and pinned me. So it, it's the most demoralizing thing that, that happened in wrestling. Tech, I didn't know that. Getting tech falls pretty bad. Hell yeah. But number one is getting tech pinned. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it, it didn't happen. And from then on, he pretty much he pretty much had had my my number until I got a little bit bigger, and that was the only thing that I could do to kind of combat that. But then it's still still even. So, we wrestled together for so long. We, we know each other's styles oh, so well. It's so yeah. So then I I followed you to McKendry. You're the reason that I went to college. So um, obviously, I think you know that. But um, so then my freshman year, we roomed together. And this dude just smoked weed all the time. Constantly. And and played his guitar like a motherfucker. But, like, he would just get so high and zoned out. That's, he would just play for, and he would fuck up. And he'd, so he'd be playing, he'd fucking be like, fuck. And he'd start the same tune. And I would hear the same fucking thing over and over again. I'm like, Never going to listen to money for nothing. <laughs> dude. I tried for days on that. It was... We definitely learned each other a lot that one year. Yeah, yeah. But, we had a chew trough. Oh my god. <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We put this put big chew trough right between us, and we both chew. We would just lean in and spit in the middle of it, and it was literally like a Rubbermaid it was, it was container. A big Tupperware. Uh-huh. Yep. Jesus. Just yeah, cans of chew, like inside. Yeah, I, of it. I remember the cans, and <laughs> it was rough, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. So, obviously, I want to dive into the story. So, like. Just for obviously the the listeners that we know, but for the listeners, 
you're now a you're a convicted felon. Yes. Right. You're a recovering drug addict. Yep. Um, anything else you want to really? I mean, <laughs> I mean that that society has now labeled you as. You know oh yeah, I mean? no. Because of because of a lot of the, the mistakes that you made. That's most of it. I'm, so I'm a burglar. Yeah. Um, a thief. Yeah. Um, drug addict. You know, and also, you know, it's it's kind of hard to overcome a lot of those things. And there's it's funny to think about now because there's still people that walk around that still know the old version. Still mm-hmm. associate you with of that. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, it's incredible. So, um, you know, back in, well, honestly, from the day I met you, I think you had been under the influence of something. Oh, constantly. And, you know, I've always, even in high school, I remember you, You, like I said, you smoked weed all the time and um, whatever, experimenting with, with whatever. And then, you know, we got to college and it was kind of like you started getting into pills then. Um, and I, I have a lot of memories from there we don't necessarily need to share, but no. not my favorite memories of you, you know, but how long was I out that time? Yeah, right. Yeah. We'd be driving in the car and you'd just like pass out yeah. and mid, <laughs> mid sentence pass out. And then like would wake back up like four or five seconds later and then just continue like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard seeing that shit. Um, because I was, I mean, I, I was always afraid of my dad. So I was always more of a rule follower cause he was, he'd fuck me up. But, um, <laughs> so it was just, it was like. I hated seeing him do that, but at the same time, it was like, I knew there wasn't a whole lot that I could do. So, um, but if you would, if you don't mind, kind of, and we'll get into, you know, the later stuff later, but can you back it up and, and talk about, like, maybe whenever your addiction started or why maybe it started or, or what led to having such a strong addiction? So, I grew up in a family that pretty much normalized drug use. Um, you know, I my parents always... Always did it. My mom's always been uh, a drug user as well, you know. So I grew, I grew up around that. So, you know, when most people sit on the couch and they eat ice cream, and everybody looks at that as, you know, you're okay. That's mm-hmm. a comfort family, food. family bonding. Yeah, it's a comfort, comfort food. food. Okay, a yeah. comfort food. So my comfort food was drugs because that was what I knew how to turn to. So mm-hmm. I was never, you know, I never really learned how to to get through like the emotional pains and the struggles that most people go through because I always had an out. I always had drugs to go to. So every time mm-hmm. stuff got hard for me, I turned to drugs. Um, and you saw that in your family, like the older parents yeah. and stuff, if, if life kind of got hard, then they would turn to drugs. And yeah. you saw that as normal. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's Which that's a very common thing that we right. see. Oh, I absolutely. mean, that's a lot of times how it starts. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'd say well over half of them. I mean, what, what are your earliest memories of that? Oh man, I smoked weed with my brother when I was nine. Nine years old. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I actually smoked out of a meth pipe. I didn't know what it was, and you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with what a meth sure. pipe looks like. Yeah. But I put the weed on the top of the bowl, and I smoked through that. So I mean, I probably smoked weed. I mean, meth when I was nine too. Yeah, know? more but, than uh, likely, because you know those don't get cleaned. No, no. absolutely not. No. Never. So there was probably bits and pieces of it yeah. in there. Holy nine cow! Nine years old. Yeah. I mean, you just a few years before that, you weren't even wiping your own ass. Yeah. And, dude, that's incredible. I never even knew that about you. Yeah, you know that was laced with meth. That was hands down laced. So with your brother, how much older is your brother than you? Uh, You know, (coughs) my brother um, is five five years older than me. My brother's five years older than me. so. So it was probably a time where he was really, really getting into experimenting, and then you were there and just... Yeah. That's what you guys did, I guess. Yep. That's fucking, and that's that's wild. And I'm, I don't know if I heard you say this or, or if my dad maybe told me or something, but like, um, you and your mom would walk around Reno, and like, I don't know, 
Like, that was your bonding together, and you guys were just, like, walking to random buildings and shit like that? Is oh, that... yeah, dude. Like, uh, where there would be building stuff. Um, you know, in a regular pastime, I remember with my mom, you guys remember dumpster diving, dude? Yeah. My mom would literally take me dumpster diving, and, like, I would be the one in the trash can, you know, and she's, like, holding my feet in the flashlight, you know, like, get this, Tyler, get that, get Holy this. Holy cow. And, man, I was, I was dumpster diving, dude. I was I was going around doing all the fun stuff. When I was... Um, I don't, I don't know the exact age, but I was very young. I was on my first raid, you know, so I yeah. got that accolade very young. And I remember uh, them kicking the door in and uh, everybody trying to run. And uh, the cops actually was a really nice guy, dude. Very nice guy. He kind of walked me through it. I was terrified. Yeah. He set everybody out on the street, zip tied, and mm-hmm. he called my dad. And my dad came and picked me up. You know, I got to sit next to my mom while she was zip tied. Uh, but my dad came and picked me up and took me away. And it's like, you know, most people earliest memories of childhood is not, you know, a raid, right. you know, so. How old were you in that? Uh, it was before I, it, probably, probably six or seven, man, I was, no kid. I was young, I was young. Man, I always feel so bad for them kids during those, those warrants and stuff, it's like, oh my gosh. And that's, and, that, and that's what you're, like, that's some of the earliest memories, like, so that became normal. Yeah. Was to one, have, uh, not, I mean, an interaction with the police where your parents are going to jail, the people you know really well are going to jail, they're getting handcuffed. And I think as a kid, you probably tend to think that it's the police's fault. Oh, I'm not taking it away that he feels that yeah. way at all, though. Well, no, today, you know, today, today not. I don't. Correct. But you did that. But when you were, when you're six or seven 100%. years old, people are hooking your parents up. You don't understand why. Yeah. You know, they're just hooking them up, hauling them away, man. That's got to be fucking more like. Be terrible. Yeah, I can that's, only imagine. That's what I'm always worried about during these raids. I'm trying. Well, don't sell drugs, Bowen, and your kid won't have to see I, you. I understand that, but <laughs> it's not the kid's fault. So you're trying to yeah. make this kid feel as comfortable as possible, and you're like, this kid's gonna actually grow up hating fucking cops. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's what bugs me sometimes, is because this poor <coughs> kid screaming in his bed. He just got woke up, and mom and dad are outside cuffed. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, well, it's at least nice to know that they might see the. Light at the end of the tunnel at some point. The long fucking hard road, though. changes you know it. Know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just incredible growing up like that. So, um, you know, you remember smoking weed around nine out of a fucking meth pipe, mm-hmm. which is unreal. So, um, you know, did you continue right then to, to use drugs, like, from then on? Or was there, like, breaks? Or what, was, what happened there? I probably started regularly... Smoking when I was 11 or 12. I smoked weed with my mother for the first time when I was 12 years old. Um, so, and then I would be hanging out with my cousins a lot, which is where my mother would take me. And they were all, they were all older. And that's what they did. So, you know, I remember in middle school, you know, driving around asking people for eighths of weed. You know, and I remember specifically in Reno, Nevada, it was $60 an eighth. You know, and it's like... People, people are going to school and talking about what they're doing after class and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm trying to figure out how to get an eighth of weed, right. you know, so I can go split that with my cousins. And we're going to go do dumb shit in the mountains, you know, where nobody can find us because that was where you could go smoke. And I tried to grow my first weed plant when I was with my uh, my uncles. Um, he found it and poured bacon grease on it. <laughs> you know, smart man, though, because you just take it out. You can smoke the leaves and stuff, but he poured <laughs> bacon grease on it. So he knew what he was doing. But, I mean, even there, there was a lot of. There's a lot of meth and drug use yeah. and that you were around and that oh. was normal. Mm-hmm. Like it blows my mind because I was always, you know, I, when I smoked weed, it was not until high school. And <laughs> so, yeah, well, you were part of the 
<laughs> it was usually like we weren't just breaking that law, but we were usually breaking four or five others. But it was so abnormal for me. Whereas for you, you're like, dude, I've been doing this shit since I was nine years, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Like, this is normal to me. I'm cool. Yeah. Dude, it's like, it's what do you mean you real. don't do drugs? Yeah. It's, you guys are weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you would think that. I mean, if you've, you've literally grown up your entire life knowing that is normal. The people that don't do it, that's, you're like, you're the fucking weirdos. Yeah. Call me weird. <laughs> Dude, it's just, and I can only, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or whatever, but I can only imagine the um, negative, um, I don't know, development body-wise or, or yeah. mental-wise and, you know, physically. I mean, it might be why you're super short. <laughs> or it's because your mom's super short too. But, mom's 4'11". Yeah, no, but like I mean, it definitely emotionally and, and, and mentally, there's got to be some. You know, I just don't think that's normal for a nine, ten year old where your brain is developing so much at that time of your life <coughs> to be thrown in stuff like that. I mean, that's just fucking blows my mind, man. Yeah. So, what uh, one of the things with addiction they say when you start using, um, your emotional, you start, you stop developing emotionally the time you consistently use drugs. Because when mo- most people are figuring out how to get through their problems and work through that emotion, sure. you're avoiding it when you're right. using those drugs. As so, an escape. Yeah, so I'm a 31-year-old with a, an emotional capacity of like a 12-year-old, you know what I mean? It's crazy to think of it like that. Well, it's, but that's what they think, you know? Yeah, I can see it. I mean, not in you. I, I think you've developed a lot over the last couple of years oh, yeah. since you've gotten I mean, you're a completely different person to talk to. Um, I remember, and you was just, it was very immature, like... And not in a not in a terrible way, but like um, it was hard to have a, a serious conversation with Tyler or because you're just I mean you're and you were a clown like you're a jokester you like to make people laugh you like to make people smile and I know that that's not different right now but um, you know if there was a time for a serious conversation it was hard for you to do that absolutely I never so, would have a serious conversation with anybody right and so you can look back now and, and see that oh hundred percent that's crazy it's that's deflection awesome. too you know yeah. it's a certain conversation if I don't feel comfortable. It's much easier to make you guys laugh because I'm worried about the way you're gonna feel about me. Absolutely. So Dude, that's that's crazy. It's it's awesome to see where you've come. Yeah. Like it's cool yeah. as hell. So going forward a little bit, um when did you kind of start moving into to more serious drugs, including like pills and stuff like that? So uh my dad used to get 180 oxycontin a month. Um and dad would because he's know. mentally uh, disabled or not mentally disabled, he's physically disabled. <laughs> he could be mentally disabled. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too. But... Uh, yeah, so that's that's got a lot of uh, pain, you know, back problems. Um, he has been physically disabled since at least we moved to Illinois, so okay. since two thousand and four for sure. Um, and he'd get all he'd get all messed up, you know, and he'd be standing in the front room like what I'd always call like the bob and weave, you know, like sleeping, and uh, I'd go steal some pills because for some reason I saw that and I was like. That looks cool. I'm going to do that, dude. <laughs> I'm going to do that. And, uh, I want to be a zombie. Yeah. And that's where that's where my pain pills kicked off. I'd tried before. Like, um, you know, I'd done them previously, but that's when it kind of started to to kick off. Because, Become more regular. Yeah, because I did that OxyContin, and that OxyContin changed my life. Yeah. That made – have you ever seen Dewey Cox? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, this is what you don't want to do, but it made it sound like everything Absolutely. was so much better. Dude, that's yeah. exactly Don't do what this, Dewey. Make it makes you feel so yeah, good. The cheapest drug there is. Yeah. You're kind of making me want it. It makes your, your <laughs> sad feelings turn into good feelings. Yeah, yeah. 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 and that's, that's what it was, though. You know, it wasn't, for once in my life, I felt like I had all the pieces. You know, I was okay to be me. I could go and talk to people. I could look at people eye to eye, and I wouldn't have to be less than them. 
you know, um, it gave me confidence and made me complete. And that's what that, that did for me from that moment moving forward. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. That's a freshman in high school. Oh, you start hitting that. Um, yes, not regularly, but when I, uh, that the Oxycontin thing was probably sophomore, junior. Okay. Um, but that's when it, that's when it grabbed me, but it's not when I constantly did it, but that's when I knew that's what I liked. Right. That's, that was a, a day that will live in infamy forever. Well, you still went to college wrestling and it, yeah, it is that's impressive. You still thing. did yeah. all that. And not even just wrestle. You wrestled at a high level. Yeah. I mean, even in high school, you were one of, you were the last, um, qualifier state qualifier for mountain wrestling in the class 2a yeah whenever there was only two classes yeah um my senior year which was the year after you graduated they split it into three yeah so and that made me so mad dude because people i was teching were placing in state but i don't think i ever would have made it had there still been only two two classes i don't think i would have made it my senior year so i was pretty happy that it did but but didn't know you're right pulling that like it's incredible to think that you went through all that you know starting at nine and progress to using fucking oxys on a regular basis as a sophomore in college and to go through that still keep your studies up still wrestle at a high level and to get a college scholarship for wrestling and then to still compete in college yeah it's, it's incredible that's so, where things started changing though most people when they get out of right. college they go out and get a job mm-hmm. and i went out and i got a felony right <laughs> we'll get to that we're not quite there yet oh all right so <clears throat> um so yeah, I mean, I, I and then we go to college and I live with you. Then I really start. That's when I started to really see it. Because in high school, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time together. Right. But there was a lot of time that we didn't spend together. Yeah. You know, did I don't. You worked for Gaines, but did you work anywhere? Yeah, else? I worked for I worked for Gaines for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you got me a couple of jobs <coughs> at the city. Yeah. Um, but 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 in high school, I mean. Okay. Yeah, mostly Gaines. Yeah. Mostly Gaines. We worked at Polyashes. Yeah. Got oh, me yeah, a job yeah, that's at right. That's right. Yep. So. But there was there was still times that we weren't together. Once we were in college, I mean, we didn't have the same classes. But you're talking, what, maybe four hours out of the day, five mm-hmm. six hours out of the day. If not, we were in the same room together. Right. We were at study tables together. We were at wrestling practice together. Weights. We were weights. We were always together. So yeah. then I really started seeing it, um, and then I would really start to see it on the weekends. We'd come home. Obviously, the the story that we talked about the the. What was I saying or whatever? How long was I out? How long was I out? Yeah. Um, That would be on the rides back to McKendree from home whenever you just got stocked up and you were fucking blitzed. Gone, dude. Dude. So that's when I really started seeing it. Um, And I even drove you and Richie around. I remember Richie smoking. Yeah. I drove you guys around while you guys smoked. And I'm like, this is fucking terrible. (laughs) Because I'm already a nervous person and I'm trying to be a cop. So I'm like, dude, if we get pulled over, I am so fucked. (laughs) <laughs> Luckily, where we went, there was like one cop, and he never did anything. Right, the country cruise is what I was always did. Yeah, so man, might be Clint. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to let the, him in. The newest guest of the podcast, Clint Lawrence. <laughs> Stand by. I can't believe he actually made it. And then, because it doesn't stay, sh- because it doesn't it? say, yeah, you can turn that off. Yeah, Shit. It is off, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can turn it off. I'm like starting to. Well, it was like super cold when we came down. Yeah, it was here. freezing. But the, the door doesn't latch unless you lock it, so. Clint, you can introduce yourself. Yeah, I am. Clint, Clint was busy. He had to do a little bit of work today. Yeah. Go playing. Hey, do you have a. You got your phone silenced there, pal? Before Hell you start yeah. walking in my room and fucking up this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> hey, how do, you, how do you like the new place, bro? 
good. We're back in the pig pen, boy. I like the, uh, the, the noise pool. reducers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the blanket. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, off. Oh, oh, off. Cool. Corner. Thing on? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you're on. You're good Sweet. to go. Sweet. Introduce Get yourself, man. What's up, guys? I think everybody knows me. What's your last name again? <laughs> I don't think you've been on a on No, it's, episode, it's like three four or five. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, oh. You know, the fucking oh, well, weather's getting nicer. Stimmies are hitting people with tails. <laughs> business is good, boys. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen that Bone Thugs and Harmony song? My stimmy is gone, gone, gone. Yes, I did see that. The parody. So have you ever met Clint? Yeah. Tyler? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you were working whenever I rested him. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, I was there, I believe. I, okay. Yeah, I know. Professionally I was or unprofessionally? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah I, no, I was there. I talked to Tyler numerous times, but... So, right now, we're kind of going through, so this this man first smoked weed at nine years old out of a meth pipe Fuck. with his brother. We're pretty okay. sure it was laced with meth. Well, I'm sure it's a meth pipe, and I'm sure it was a used meth pipe, so I'm sure he who's, got... Who's your brother? He's... <laughs> Good try, buddy. <laughs> Is your brother still living in Reno? Yes. Okay. And his yeah. sister? Yeah, actually, my brother's in jail right now. Uh, hardcore alcoholic, second time he's been in a, a wreck. So one time, he was in a coma for a very long time. But, uh, he's going to be locked up for a while this time. I think it was uh, his third DUI. Um, so he's going to be in, in It actually blows my mind, because I've met him, it blows my mind that he's only had three. Yeah, <laughs> me too, dude. Yeah. Yeah, when, I, when we went down to the WoW tournament, dude, I did mushrooms before we went and wrestled. Yeah. Dude, we're getting there. <laughs> just blows That's my crazy. mind. That's crazy. Yeah, so... Can you imagine getting What's your ass about, kicked yeah, by a kid that. on high on mushrooms? <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot about that. So that was before I went to college. That was when I, when we were, were you still in high school? Yes. I know I was for sure. Yeah. So my parents <laughs> allowed me to go out to Reno with, with Tyler. And let's, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a terrible decision at this yeah. point. Yeah, to go to this wrestling tournament and stay with his sister. Um, so he, he told me on, on the way there, he's like, hey, my brother, just a heads up, uh, he's like a drug addict or whatever. I don't even remember what you said, but. Um, whatever. So we land in Reno. We're walking through the airport, and I see this dude fucking tweaking out, like giddy as fuck. Like we know now. Yeah. And um, standing next to what well, be my sister, and I'm like, dude, look at that fucking tweaker. He's like, dude, that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> no lie. I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, and I felt like shit because I was. Now I wouldn't care, but you know, I was all innocent back then. And I'm like, holy shit. And then he, as soon as his brother sees Tyler, he just like starts jumping and like skipping. And like, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the longest fucking weekend of my life. <laughs> so it was the first for, time I'd seen him in like eight years. Yeah, dude. So, and like, so we're there for a wrestling tournament. Um, so we're staying with his sister and was your sister, is she, was she a recovering addict at that point? Or? No, my, my sister has dabbled. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say she was an addict like I am. Right. Um, she seemed like she had, Someone of her shit together. Yes. You know, so we stayed with her. Um, I remember we hung out with your brother one night, and I remember he had it was uh, the blue pill with I think it was a duck. You remember that? The Transformers. Yeah, it was I don't know yeah, what the fuck it was, it was but it's like an X. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was X. So he's like, he's like, Tyler, you guys want to get all fucked up with me? Pop some X, and I'm like, dude, I'm so out of my element. Like, I'd never seen this shit before, and I'm sure you did, but you told me no. <laughs> um, but you guys escaped into some other room. But like, I remember you telling or him telling us stories about something about him, like he was showing us a stab wound or something. Yeah. Him and his friend got in like a knife wrestling match, and they like were like legitimately stabbing each other. Yeah, and, like, he got stabbed. Dude, it blows my How mind much older is your alive. brother than you are? Five years. Five years. Yeah, dude, it was. Nuts. That sounds like a great idea. Let's <laughs> wrestle with knives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I was two, a modest addict though. 
I didn't go do ecstasy with him. I instead opted for the mushrooms. There you go. Uh. Dude, that's incredible. <laughs> that you, I, didn't know, I didn't even know. But I do know that. Um, so I smoked weed there twice. Yep. Two out of like the maybe six or seven or eight times that I did in my entire life. So like I talked about earlier in the podcast, whenever I was smoking weed, I was always breaking other laws probably. So one of the times was in a car with your cousin, I believe. Was it the cousin from Cali? Yep. So we're sitting in the car at night, parked randomly in Reno, Nevada. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. I don't know who the fuck I'm with. I'm just with Tyler and some dude that says he's his cousin that has some California kush or something. Yep. Um, so we do our thing, and no shit, squad car drives by us. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Dude, I do. <laughs> dude, I, it was terrifying. As soon as we got back, it was cool. But, like, I was absolutely terrified that night. And then the other time was with a couple of your buddies, I think, that you knew from back in the day. We hotboxed in their car on resin. Oh, yeah, I, yep. My fucking kids are never going anywhere without me on no vacation until <laughs> they're 18. Dude, it's, I'm a better person because I, made, I went through these So you bottle them up. And then but there were so yeah. many opportunities for things to go really Absolutely. bad. Absolutely. Well, that's so just many life. opportunities. Yeah. We're looking at one of them. <laughs> never crossed I, 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 I <laughs> I'm like... Dude, it was terrible. It was that was the worst I've ever had. Like I was to the point where I was like controlling my breathing with my mind. I'm like breathe in, Devin. Okay, breathe out, Devin. Like it was complete panic mode. But, dude, it, that was terrible. So, man, I forgot about Reno. We played Halo. We did. I, dude, I remember slaying <laughs> he it. He's laughing like a little girl, dude. Just killing people in Halo, just murking people. I was. And I don't know if it was because we were both high and maybe it was exaggerated. You'd probably but just run around circles. Dude, I was. It was Halo. Was it Halo 2 still? Yeah, it was Halo dude, 2. I was getting like the Berserker killer. Yeah. Dude, Kilimanjaro. Was, dude, it was nuts. They just kept popping up and I just kept fucking killing them. Have you ever tried peyote? I have not. I always I wanted to, though. One of the few. I need someone to fucking get me something. I need that on my resume. You're not trying to build a CS here, buddy. <laughs> right. I really feel like if I deliver you peyote, I'm going to bring it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a safe passage program. You can bring it up. And... Okay. Slide that off to yeah. you. Dude, you know. That shit was crazy as hell. So, man, it's just crazy to think, like, all of your memories with most of your family involved drugs. Yeah, it's crazy. that's how I started one kind of realizing that I was a drug addict was hanging out with you and Shannon and like all of you guys' stories are so cool. And you're like, man, I was doing this and I was doing that and I was down at the lake. And I, every one of my stories was, man, I was so high this one time, yeah. like and it was always something stupid. Right. You know, I never had like fun, enjoyable stories. Every one of mine was like, and I was so drunk, I was so effed yeah. up. It, it was, was almost traumatic, like you like crash a car into a fucking pole or something. I did crash. You know, all that kind of shit. Huh? You actually did do that. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely totaled a Buick LeSabre by getting a blowjob. Lucky I still have my wiener, but... <laughs> but... Even, like, with, like, Tazzaretti and stuff, I remember you guys were... So, like, like you said, all of your memories of your quote-unquote fun times, you were fucked up and something traumatic usually happened. Yeah, my best friend was literally a bank robber, dude. Yeah. Literally, I think he's doing really well for himself. Isn't Dude, yeah, his ass is doing great, man. Good, his ass is doing great. Didn't he? Didn't he rob the same bank twice, and that's what got him? Yeah, he got away with like the first two, but yeah, he went back. <laughs> he went back to the same one, and I think he did. They were ready for him that time. Yeah, <laughs> so they went back for the third time. No, 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 no. So he got caught the second time. Yeah, on that okay. on the same same bank. He, it was his third bank, but it was okay. The, the same bank. I said my two different banks that. three yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were ready for him. Like, yeah, he got caught that time. Dude, that's and he did time. Yeah, right? I mean, he did five years. Just... Dude. Dude. All right, so back to it. So, the timeline. <laughs> so, now we're in college. I'm starting to really see your drug addiction. Devin's got a 
playing this time, I think. Kind of going in order. Yeah. It's good to give the people a story. That's what, yeah. He's actually put thought see, into it this time. It's crazy. <laughs> Every episode, as as like being a host, you want to have some kind of structure towards the episode. Sure. Or else there's nothing for people to follow. I don't. Right? There's a storyline that people, people like, like when you watch a movie. It's not jumping all over the fucking place. There's a storyline. I'm starting to wonder. You do that 95% of the time. We're getting better. We don't jump around that much. I mean, okay. we have this one a little I'm bit. Sorry. There's sorry always a storyline. Sorry to you. Go ahead. I mean, even with Tyson, there was a storyline. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I got to teach this kid. Every, I got to teach him how to be a cop. Now I got to teach him how to be a, a, a podcast. So needy, dude. Hey, congrats again, by the way. Solving cases. That's what we do at Goldberg. <laughs> That's what we do. Solve big cases. <laughs> <laughs> so I started seeing the, the addiction um, in college, and then <clears throat> blew my heart out uh, your senior year. Yeah, my senior year, I uh, called Coach Willard and said, I was done, man. I was done. It blew my mind. So I'm on the bus getting ready to go to a tournament. I think it was Indianapolis because it was right before winter break, mm. right? Yeah. And, <clears throat> like, Tyler was always late, but um, so I'm sitting there waiting. Like, from that point, um, if you think about it, um, my freshman, sophomore, junior, skipped my senior year high school, my freshman, sophomore, and then junior year. Six out of the last seven years, every single wrestling tournament I had gone to was with you. Yep. Or you were at every tournament that I went to. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that you hadn't. So you, uh, the bus starts taking off. And I'm like, whoa, hey, where's Tyler? <clears throat> Fuck Tyler. Everybody's like, dude, he just, he just quit. And I think I looked back and on the sidewalk, you were like hanging your head and walking or something. Or did yeah. you call him or something? <clears throat> I don't know. You were, or I called you and you were crying. So I could have fucking killed you because you had like two months left. Yeah. You went through all that. Yeah. And then that year, our team took second in nationals. Yeah. And we really could have used a 125 pounder. Yeah. So, and I knew you hated it. I knew you. Didn't, I knew you didn't love it right. from from my freshman year, and because there's just a change whenever you get to college wrestling, it's not it's not high school anymore. Right. Uh, it's a, a more of a job, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. it beats the fuck out of you. You know, the six to six plus hours a day of doing study tables and weights and and practice, and our practices were never easy. So you're physically tired, you're mentally tired, you're trying to balance college. For me, I'm trying to balance. You know, finally being free, mm-hmm. you know, so wanting to experiment that stuff, but wrestling was always there, and at times we felt like it was a job and a burden, and I was, you know, I could tell you were very unhappy. Oh, completely. But it, I was pissed because you were unhappy for so long, and then you, you hung it up two months before it was all, it would all been over anyways. Yeah. You didn't even see it out whenever you were having a pretty damn good senior year. Actually was. And had a chance to be an All-American. Yeah. Fuck you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> do, you, do, you ever, do you ever think about that? Yeah, dude, I do, actually. Um, you know, and it took me a long time because I blamed everybody else. It's like, I never had anybody to hold me accountable. It was like, I was always okay to quit stuff because there was no repercussions. And then, you know, now I look back at it and I was like, man, yeah, that's one of those moments you're probably going to regret for the rest of your life, you know? And um, they're right there towards the end. I, I tried to get I tried to get back in the time frame was too long right um they wouldn't let me back Mm -hmm. so yeah i i think about that often truthfully so let me ask you this did you i mean obviously you were still using drugs and using pills and hard drugs if you did i consider that hard drug but um oxys for sure wait those are hard (laughs) (laughs) so. so do you think that maybe you somewhat limited your use just because of wrestling at that point 
while you still were wrestling and the mentality that I still have to compete? Or was it just kind of still a free-for-all? No, man, to be completely honest with you, it was because I was broke as shit. Yeah. I had no money, that dude. Too. It was like, you pretty much bought all my food, my <laughs> beer, and everything else. You know, Chew. I, Yeah, chew. Yeah. <laughs> still owes him like $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> talk about that. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, I guess it is what it is. Because I was going to ask you if you think that um, after that decision, it was kind of like a fuck it moment that it was like, now what I have really to to prepare for or whatever like that. So I'm just gonna start using as much as I possibly can. No, my my moment came much more tragically later. I mean, now it's one of the best things ever happened to my life. But uh, where my use really really kicked off was when I found out that uh, the woman I was dating was pregnant. Right. And it was like my entire life was screwed, dude. I was like, I'm about to have a kid. It's like, I'm not going to go travel, dude. I'm stuck in this town forever. Then I got to raise a baby, dude. I can't raise myself. <laughs> and I was so like, this, sorry, so to back up, this is after you graduated college. Yep. So you graduated still even using fucking all kinds of shit. Yep. All fucked up. You still got it done. Um, got your degree and you moved back home. Yep. And then you got a pretty damn good job selling cars. Yeah, I was selling cars at Pilsen's. And um, even though you were... Um, Socially immature. Yep. I think we could say that. You were still pretty damn good at talking. Yeah, that's all I'm you good You just at, didn't dude. shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> before people were finally like, fine, I'll buy the fucking yeah. car. They like, buy the stop car talking. just to get, <laughs> be quiet. So you were, you were making good money. Yeah. Um, and all that was going towards... Drugs. All of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she'd always ask me, like, where does your money go? And I was like, woman, I got bills. It's like, I didn't pay... I haven't paid for shit in my life, dude. Like, I just recently started getting bills, like... Two and a half years ago, <laughs> but it's like bills. That's what it is. And college I, loans. Yeah, college loans. I haven't paid those off yet either. But all my money went. <laughs> all my money was going to drugs. And when you think about it, a hydrocodone at the time when I was buying it was six to ten dollars, mm-hmm. and I was snorting fifteen of them going to Pilsen's to sell cars to people. You know what I mean? Waking up and snorting fifteen fucking. Yeah, dude. I had a Jeep Wrangler at the time and a Pill Crusher from my house on Tenth Street to Pilsen's, driving a stick ship Jeep. Jeep. I could snort seven pills. On the way to Pilsen's. How do you even function? Dude, it's unreal. I'd be night-night. Most people would be, yeah. And that's just waking up. That's just getting to work. Holy cow. Then once you got to work, what was it like? Oh, Because I know you got to get hits during the day. Absolutely. The the half-life on hydrocodone is very short, so you got to continually get get some. So I'd go into the bathroom, same thing, bring your pill crusher. And at the most of them that I was getting were yellow. So you got to be real careful so you don't have yellow Mm -hmm. stuff coming out of your nose when you're talking to people, man. Um... And I used to think that that kind of stuff was cool. You'd snort, I can't tell you how, how much powder, and then you'd exhale and you would see yellow. <laughs> like, seriously, dude, you'd blow out the powder that obviously your lungs didn't absorb. It was absolutely insane. Okay. But, and that's. And uh, you were still able to function enough to sell fucking cars. Bro, I would have roofed Pilsons and sold you a car at the same time. Hydro's jacked me up. It's incredible. Hydro's jacked me up. And you're already just kind of high energy, anyways. Yep. Um, to think. Dude, it's unreal. Nobody suspected anything there. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Everybody's thinking this motherfucker's a tweaker. Yeah, but. I uh, I got backed into one time, and the uh, sales manager told me to go to the hospital to drug test. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I got hit. Yeah. You know, but when I came back with a clean drug test, because I stopped on the way there and got pee in a rubber glove, and I taped it to my junk, dude. And in the hospital, it's totally easy to pass a drug test. They close the door. You're yeah. all by yourself. You just... Pop thing. You just got to make sure your temperature is okay. Nobody watches you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when I got back, 
the sales manager was like, wow, surprised you're here. <laughs> and it was like, okay, did dang. you expect me to fail, asshole? Like, but honestly, at the time, I didn't think anybody knew, but you're not that sneaky, dude. I weigh 140 pounds right now, dude. I weighed 119 when I went to the hour house the first time. Really? I was little. Little. You wrestled college cutting weight at 125. Yeah. And you had to cut to get there. Yeah. And you're just walking around at 119. Yeah. It's crazy. Take yeah. what drugs will do to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember you throwing out more numbers of pills you would take on a on a daily basis. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so then you lost your job at Pilsons. <laughs> yes. Um, I was then, stealing. And you had a kid. So talk about that again. Sorry, I cut you off from that. But you said that's where it really started. Fucking. Yeah, that's where it really started. I couldn't manage my own life, dude, and. The only thing that I'd ever learned that was going to fix that feeling was drugs. Yeah. Um, so I started doing a, sh- a shitload of pills. And then I started spending more money than I actually had. So every time I sold somebody a car and has that pill since, sorry, Jamie, but I'd tell them it was a referral, you know, and that way a referral checks a hundred bucks right there. So every time I sold a car, bro, it was a referral. I probably had more referrals than anybody in the company, <laughs> dude. <laughs> but I was taking that hundred dollars. And go and offer it to a buddy, hey, if you cash this check as a referral, I'll give you 20 bucks, I'll keep 80, and then I'll go get high. You know, and my Jeep couldn't afford gas, so I was putting plates on cars, driving a Pilsen's car to go get fucked up, and then coming back, you know. And then that's when they started, I remember Scott sat me down, he was like, hey, man, you're not doing too well. Um, and during this time, I was like, okay, man, I might kind of have a problem. So I went to Suboxone Clinic. And I skipped at Pilsen's for like two weeks, and I wouldn't tell nobody why I went. And it was because I was terrified to tell somebody I was a drug addict. Um, but afterwards, you know, I found out that you could sell Suboxone for $20 a strip. And I was getting two of them a day. I was like, okay, perfect. So now I was selling my Suboxone to get more pills, you know. <laughs> um, it was just a crazy, it's a crazy cycle. I was like, I'm lucky I'm, I'm still alive. Oh, yeah, you are. Uh, we'll talk more about the numbers, but um, so did you... So you had had your daughter yep. while you're still at Pilsons, or did you get fired yeah. before? Pilsons. Uh, Charlie was born while I was at Pilsons for like two weeks. Okay. Um, you know, and that that was I said that was that was rough on me, and I didn't want to go home. Uh, home life wasn't great anyway because the girl that I was with was kind of starting to notice that I was not doing shit. Right. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to go home, and all I wanted to do was spend my time going around and getting high. That's right. what that was what was fun to me. Yeah. So. As much I was as I was there, um, I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and that's part of Char- Charlie's part of the reason that I started flipping to the other hard stuff. But right. we'll get there. Yeah. So, um, so now you you have this life shock of having a kid whenever you're completely not ready because yeah. you can't even take care of your own fucking self. Yep. Um, and then you lose your job. The, the one thing you had that was making you money, mm-hmm. even though it was all going negative, um, you still had something, and it was somewhat normal. To go to work, you know, yeah. so you lose that. So then where do you go? Um, I jumped back and forth to a couple of factories. I went to uh, American Select Tubing for a little bit. Um, and actually, I was working third shift there. And absolutely hated it, dude. And I walked outside one day. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. And I just hopped in the car and left. Like, I didn't tell nobody or nothing. I just left. But every job that I had was very similar story. I'd get there and show up gone get their show up and gone um you know and that's that was my mantra that's what i did all because you want to go get fucked up absolutely and nothing was going to stop you me you just couldn't be you couldn't commit yourself to something long enough because you just want to get fucked up well, so i controlled the fuck out of your life oh constantly dude i didn't want to go to work because i wasn't high 
And I, I honestly, physically, it felt like I couldn't. You know what I mean? Right. I was doing so many pills. I was addicted to pills. And if you guys are familiar at all with heroin withdrawals, opiates are the, very similar. Sure. Um, so I'd go to work, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'd rather jump off a bridge than be here. Right. And so I would leave. You know, and I, that's when I started to go, you know, venture out a little bit. Because now you're not making money. Yeah. And the pills obviously cost money. The pills are expensive. Super expensive. So that's where people start getting into heroin. Mm -hmm. But did you get into heroin or meth first? Meth. Okay. So what was it because your your pill plug was also selling meth or what, what was the deal there? No, you know. Because uh, it's, it's a lot different because, I mean, well. Well, he said the pills got him up, though. You well, know what I mean? Yeah, so, pills got me up. Yeah, so therefore, mm -hmm. meth would do the same thing. Yep. Well, the hydros did, right? Yeah. But the oxys. Oxys, same thing. Did dude. they really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Basically, every opiate, every opiate. Because usually it brings people down. Yeah. So for you, it was the opposite. It completely opposite. It gave you that confidence and made you kind of feel like a hero. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Everywhere I went. So, yeah. So then heroin obviously would bring you down. So you wouldn't want to go that. So you went meth. So, it, you know, I always prided myself that I didn't do heroin. Mm -hmm. It's like weird. Amongst addicts, you have like this drug hierarchy. It's like, I'd sit there and tell you that I'd shoot up meth and heroin at the same time, but somebody's like, Tyler, did you crack? I'm like, bah, how dare you? Yeah, that's fucking disgusting. I'm not that dirty. <laughs> Fuck you, you know? No, we, we hear that once in a while. Like, are you on heroin? <laughs> I don't do that. It, but they just do meth. You you know? Yeah, I just yeah. shoot up meth Yeah, the 32nd time used needle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, we hear that quite a bit. <laughs> it's it's funny, but you know, I don't know why, but I thought I was better than some of the other drugs. But, no, I, I think the reason I... I started using meth for one, you know, it was, it was familiar to me. Um, my brother, sure. my mother, you know, that most of that side of the family had done it, you know, and I'd done it a couple times, but it was never my jam. Opiates were my thing. Mm -hmm. um, and even, even today, if I was going to go back and you put meth and heroin onto a plate, man, the first thing I'm going to go to is heroin. I, my opiates are my jam. Right. Um, when I started using meth was, you know, Charlie, at the time I didn't have a job. Mother would be working, um, and I'd be with Charlie, and it, you know, Charlie would be like, "Hey, Daddy, wake up, let's play." And she was an absolute burden. Like, how dare that baby wake me up? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, here are some chicken nuggets. Go play by your fucking self. I need to sleep. Yeah. You're like, I don't feel like helping you. I don't feel like even acknowledging that your existence is part of my life. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do is lay here, and I'm going to wait for a text that tells me I can come get some drugs. Um, and then a guy that I used to get hydros from was like here try this and i was like it's cheaper it's significantly cheaper especially for me yeah you know so i tried it and my withdrawals were gone dude and that was the meth that was the meth yeah right. and that was saving and i smoked it mm -hmm. you know and that was a saving grace for me significantly cheaper right. no withdrawals so then i made that switch i switched from um pills to meth and man i felt great i had just beaten opiate addiction real quick though at your height of your pill popping, what were the amounts? Oh, dude, I I could do 30, 10 milligram Oxycontin a day, if not more. I would literally go through them. I'd go through them. I had a guy that wouldn't sell me all of them because he knew that I was going to be back the next day. Sure. Um, and I'd always tell myself, I was like, well, I'm only going to do, you know, half of them today and I'll do some tomorrow. But like through half the day and you're like, ah, I got these. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do them. Yeah. And that was another, another big thing that completely made me realize that I was an addict. Um, I had a 100 milligram fentanyl patch and me and my me and my father had both bought one. 
and I ate the whole patch, and he ate the whole patch, and I babysat him all day. I thought he was, I thought he was gonna die. I thought he was gonna die, dude. I was. And he's a big dude. He's three hundred and twenty pounds, and I was shaking him like, "Yo, hey, you need to, you need to be here. I'm here." You know, I was putting yeah. his hands in water, and I, I literally thought I was gonna lose him that day, and I was like, I was looking for more. You know, because the 100, 100 milligram fentanyl patch didn't knock me out. But my father, who'd done pills for, I don't know, as long as I could ever remember, <clears throat> just not in excess like I did, um, was was down and out. And I was like, holy shit. That is incredible. I feel like I feel like shit about myself. I'm going to go get high. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's crazy, but that's how it is. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to show you. Fuck you. I'm going to go get high. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. Yeah, it's uh, it was insane. It's weird, but that was one of my biggest one of my biggest turning points. I knew I was spending a whole bunch of money, yeah. and I knew I was throwing away everything that I ever owned. But the time that I did more than my with this, the same amount as my father, and he was down and out, I was like, "Whoa, dude, what's wrong with you?" <laughs> and you're functioning just normal. Oh, absolutely. I was wanting more. Yeah. <laughs> so, what kind of amounts of meth did you like at your peak? Did you go through? I mean, what meth? were you using? Um. So you started out smoking it, though. Yeah, I started out. I started out smoking meth. Um, and you know, man, I'd I'd love to tell you there was this like burning bush moment or something. But one day I randomly woke up and I said, "I'm gonna shoot up." And that's what I did. I googled out. I googled how to do it. And you can go to Walmart and you can buy a pack of needles for like a dollar thirty. You know what I mean? And that was always an awkward buy, dude. You walk into Walmart like, uh, my grandma told me to <laughs> come and get these self checkouts. Yeah, well, not at the pharmacy. Yeah, that's true. But you know, my grandma told me to get these needles. And I'm like, well, which ones is it? It's like it's the little hundred unit ones. <laughs> perfect drug size. Yeah, perfect, perfect needle size. Not too big, not too small. I need to be able to make it in the vein. But um, it was always awkward transition. But I just I said I randomly woke up one day, like, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and from that moment forward, the only time I ever smoked it was to save face in front of people that I didn't want to know that I shot up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started I started shooting it. And uh, at that time, I'd gotten kicked out of the my daughter's house with my significant mm-hmm. other. Um, we had been broken up. And, man, that's when I turned into a, uh, a 3 a.m. riding on the bike tweaker. So I was... That's still a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. That's still a lot, too. Yeah, a whole bunch of people did. I was telling everybody about us. We've, we've already discussed the hiding spots. The, the, the hiding spots. We'll talk about some hiding spots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some bike hiding spots. I learned spots. some new tricks. <laughs> yeah. So so you're shooting meth now. Yep. Do you remember how much, like Clinton was asking? Um, I used to call them half-gram slams. So half-gram uh, per shot. Right. You know, but... Uh, Therein lies the rub. Meth started getting expensive for me, too. So I had to start stealing bigger and better things. Um, what know, were I, you stealing prior to this? Oh, man. Bikes, um, weed eaters, basically any sort of electronic that I could find. And I told you, and I've actually made my amends to Harrison Metals, so I feel like it's okay to say this, man. Yeah. But I'd go, Harrison Metals was a shopping ground for me. You guys know how much they pay per pound of brass? Like it was two dollars and like twenty two cents at the time, and I found out that car radiators sometimes are brass. So I'd go to Harrison Metal, like straight up dope scope, tweaking hardcore type shit with a with a twack pack is what I called it, mm-hmm. you know. And I would go back there and I'd figure out which ones are brass. You know, I'd cut the hoses, 
take the mounts off and then I'd strap a brass radiator to my back and I'd ride home on my bike. Like nobody was going to know. <laughs> that wasn't far from your house. No, no, it was really close. It was really close. But it's funny now looking back at it, it's like you just follow the trail of green you know, <laughs> to my house. <laughs> and I'm all, I couldn't only imagine what the people at uh, Mervis thought when I was turning those uh, uh, radiators in. It's like, where where did you get three radiators? It's like, don't worry about it. I got a lot of cars at the house. <laughs> but that was, that was what kind of supplied a lot of my my drug use um so it's it's yeah that's mostly it so then that's that's how you got arrested so we can talk about that yeah that that leads into how i got so arrested talk so. about what you were doing there since you've already pled guilty and everything yeah <laughs> allegedly allegedly um so, so real quick before this um so i've now started as a police officer in the yeah. same town that you're running around being a tweaker in yeah and it was like i knew i knew you were bad on bills <laughs> Um, and I was hearing that you were using meth from people on the street and even other officers, and I didn't want to believe it because you had told me that you wouldn't, and I honestly felt like you would tell me the truth. Right. Um, so I remember I, I came to your house, so we, we came off of a traffic stop, and I think it was your cousin, we don't need to say any names, but your cousin told me that he or she had just gotten done smoking with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, so I went, I left the traffic stop early, and I went to your house, and it was like, you know, a normal time that people would be passed out. It was like one o'clock in the morning, and I called you. And I'm gonna like, get the fuck outside, and you hopped outside because you were well awake. And I'm like, dude, are you using meth? And you said the, the most odd response, but I accepted it. You said, no, I wouldn't use meth. It tastes like shit. <laughs> it did taste bad in my defense. <laughs> That's what, like, any normal person that wasn't smoking meth would have been like, fuck no. <laughs> And that, they would have left it at that, but you had to go well, over and you say, know it like shit. yeah, it tastes <laughs> like shit. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, don't fucking do it. Or if you do, you know, then whatever, we can talk about it. But, like, don't just don't do it. And you're like, all right. And I left, you know, it was like one of those things. And then, <clears throat> then I started really seeing it and seeing the house that I was watching all the time because I was getting a lot of information that there was a lot of drugs there. And it was like, Tyler, there he is again. Leaving there, he's going to get one back here. He's spending a lot of time there. It's like I can't tell you how many times I stopped and talked to you leaving the house. Yeah, <clears throat> so then it started becoming apparent. So then, then I knew, and then it became my goal to put handcuffs on you because I knew you were. And, and I mean, I had already been a proactive guy, I was going after the meth scene already, mm-hmm. but now it became personal. Like right. it was a little bit personal before because this is the, the community that I grew up, was, you know, born and raised in. I, I felt like I was doing something for the community prior to this, but now it got really fucking personal because it was it was my best friend, yeah. it was my college roommate, the guy that I've been together with, you know, almost every day for four plus years. Mm-hmm. Like, like that love made it way more personal. Right. And now I'm like, I'm fucking arresting this motherfucker because it <laughs> might be what he needs fucking figure it out because right. right. i'm like he's got a daughter now it's not about you like it's not or about him i'm like fuck him i am it's my goal every day i came to work it was my goal to figure out a way to put handcuffs on and i remember i remember that and thinking damn it's kind of just a fucking like shitty situation you know what i mean yeah, two good friends one terrible. going this route one being this other route and then now one's trying to arrest <clears> the other but and i won't get into details or mention any names but I kind of isn't was it or am was maybe in that position where I had something have something similar going on and now I I, I get it now it's like I I would I want to do the same thing if I can right or wrong yeah right or wrong <laughs> yeah uh, I want to do the same thing you know and it's not because I'm 
happy to stick someone in jail is because I would hope that maybe it's a wake-up call. You know what I mean? So I, honestly, I get it. I mean, we'd use, how many times have we used that in interviews with people um, to try to relate to them and say, you know, people that we've arrested for, for drugs that are, that, you know, addicts, we bring in, we're like, you know, we don't think you're a bad person. Yeah. Um, but obviously this drug's taking hold of you. Um, you know, we, we try to... Um, relate with them in that way because we do we feel that way um we don't want to throw everybody in jail you know if we have to be the bad people to, to change the life we will but i'd used it a lot before it being personal to me and all that blah 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 but it was an empty it's kind of it's kind of like i was just saying to say it after you started going through it it was like there was a, honestly a couple times in fucking random interviews i would start getting almost emotional i'm like i start thinking about you know just us and our all the everything we've been through and then to see you doing what you're doing i get honestly i did get emotional a couple times and i was like fuck i gotta get my shit together Devin. <laughs> you gotta fucking finish this interview with some somebody you gotta try to get to work with you but yeah so then it, it really did it came personal and I, it was my goal every time i came to work to to find you and put handcuffs on you. And the shitty part was, though, I knew that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was like, I told you that. I know, you did. Like, every told. time I left the house, I was like, ain't catching me today, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would leave everything at the house. I'd make sure I got high. Then I'd go out and do whatever the hell I was going hilarious. to do. That's hilarious. Because every time I saw a cop car, it didn't matter. You, your lights, I said, gave you away. Every yeah. time I saw a cop car, I was like, it's fucking Devin, dude. And every, if you don't know this, but in, in jail, they call you RoboCop. Yeah. So I was like, this motherfucker, he's gunning for me, dude. So I left. Every time I left the house, I made sure I had absolutely nothing on me. But I knew it was just a matter of time. And by lights, you mean just headlights? Yeah, 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 I knew. yeah. But I, I fucking knew it was a matter of time. Um, because, it, but and I knew it wasn't going to be me, necessarily. Um, but I knew I'd probably be there. But, um, because I'm very familiar how sneaky you fucking were, and are still. But I, you know, I lived with you, so I knew that. Like, I knew how sneaky you were. I knew it was just going to be a matter of me not you know, getting you going or coming from any dope house. It was just going to be something different. It was going to be random. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I knew you were going to fuck up eventually, and then you did. So you got me. You pulled me over in Dad's van one yeah, time. I remember it. Wasn't that in the Deco? In the Deco. Yeah, I was yeah. there. Were you? Yeah. He pulled up yeah. and he goes, he talked to me. He goes, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because he was trying to, you know, doing the typical dirtbag dodging the police lights and dipped into the deco. And I'm like, yep. fuck you. You're mine now. And I was like, what, do you want to search the van? He said, yep. Well, then fucking go for it. Yeah. Like, get out of the Fuck out then. And, but he knew he was good. But tell him, tell him what you told me just the other day. Oh, oh did he miss something? Yeah, you, well, no, no. no. Task Force missed something on me the first time. I think I heard that. I think I've heard this. Maybe. But, uh, no, I was getting ready. To, I was getting ready to go pick up. So he caught me just before, you know. Oh, okay. That's early. Yeah. And the dude you were with, I don't even remember who it was, but he was not trying to be there. He was tweaking the fuck. He was like, get me out of here. I don't, and Tyler's cool as a cucumber because he knew that we didn't yeah. have shit on him, you know. You so. would not believe how much shit I got. I was like, oh, your friend's a cop, huh? Like, okay, well, yeah, actually, I don't have any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you are not here to buy shit. No, yeah. I actually had, I had one guy that I would go to on 4th Street, I don't, not to mention any names. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, one time I walked in and goes, I heard your friends, I heard your friends, Devin Patterson. I said, yeah. And he goes, take your fucking shirt off. I was like, for what? He's like, take your fucking shirt off. I was like, oh, okay. So I took my shirt off, and he's like, oh, all right, cool. Come on in. We Here's your dad's wire on. Yeah, he's, he was checking, but it was... Yeah. Little did they know that I wasn't even really necessarily concerned with them. I was more after Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, all my friends. I got y'all busted just because you knew me. Yeah, just because I knew Tyler was around. <laughs> so, 
Now we get to talk about Hardee's. Hardee's. Uh, what were we doing prior to going to Hardee's? Man, I was what I called shopping, man. I was riding around on my bike, figuring out what I was going to go steal from that night. Um, and I went... So I, this is broad daylight. Well, at, not at the time, dude. I spent a lot of time there. I was very thorough. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got there. Um, I probably got there at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I was there for a long time, dude. I drove by. <laughs> so I got arrested at like nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at least I was driving and I saw that the gate to um, the storage unit place was open. So uh, I'd gone in. I'd gone in. I was like, oh, it's not trespassing. Because like as a tweaker, I would spend time studying laws so I could figure out ways that I could possibly not get arrested. It was like, I know my rights, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, like, not like you guys ever hear those people. Never, never heard that but the door was open, and uh, I didn't see any no trespassing signs, so I was like, cool. And it was under, at that time, it was under my impression that I had to be verbally warned and there had to be a sign posted. Um, so I was like, I can't get me on trespassing. So I go in, and there's a big dumpster in the back, and I'd bought a bike, uh, probably stolen, um, Dewey bike, a couple of days prior to that, um, which for some reason I thought worked, and it didn't. But I saw a bunch of shit back at the dumpster that I figured I could go sell. Um, so I was back in there and I went to that dumpster and the dumpster was empty. I was like, motherfucker. So then I had a face mask on, you know, and I knew there was cameras there. I was like, well, good luck. I have a face mask on. You can't identify me. So I start going up and down the, uh, storage units and I was looking for ones that are open. It was like, man, I always considered myself an honest tweaker. Like the best way to keep me out of the shit that you didn't want was just to keep it locked. Yeah. Um, and I'd go to, uh, I'd break into abandoned houses at night. I say break in, but if the door was unlocked, I'd go in. If it was locked, then I wasn't, I wasn't going to kick the door down or anything sure. like that. So I was always like, I'm not really doing anything <laughs> bad, you know, but, um, I went into a storage unit <clears throat> I mean, there was a bunch of shit in there. And I don't know if, as a tweaker, I focused on a whole bunch of shit within that storage unit. I was probably in there for like three hours. Jesus. Um, and I ended up coming out with, dude, a the most random shit, like a fucking plate, dude. A rope. Uh, a rope, a flashlight, <laughs> some, like, random-ass gloves, uh, a busted-ass entertainment center power system, you know, like, all types of random shit. Um, and I'm looking outside, I'm like, okay, it's daylight, I need to get out of here. So I got this, like, backpack on that's, like, four times my size, and I'm riding on a bike that I found there because I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting ready to go out, and the gate was closed. So I figured you just kind of show up and the gate would open. Totally not the case. Mm-mm. Any tweakers out there, don't do that <laughs> shit. You get locked fucking in. Um, but I tried to tried to get out, and I was pushing buttons on the gate, just randomly, miraculously hoping that I was going to figure that random, that perfect number to get it open. And this guy pulls up and goes, what are you doing? And I'm looking at him like, I'm trying to get the fuck out the gate. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? You know, like, mind you, you got a face mask on, a bike, and a backpack, four times the size mm-hmm. of me. Not like I'm doing anything illegal. Um, he's, he said, oh, all right, well, do you have a locker here? I said, yeah, it's in the back. He said, all right, well, what's your name? I was like, James Jeffries. Fuck, you asked me so many questions for, dude. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just trying to open the gate. And he said, don't worry, they're inside right now. They're just working on the gate. <clears throat> and I was like, all right, cool. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, who works on a fucking gate from the inside yeah. of a building? <laughs> I was like, this is, no, that's not what's happening. So he went and called the cops? Uh, they already had. Yeah, they'd already called the cops, I guess. But I ditched my backpack, and I start running to the gate, and the dude's like, don't you dare, motherfucker. And I look back, I was like, I'm not going to fucking jump. Bullshit. So I hop that gate, dude, and I book it. And this guy's not very um, athletically inclined, but I don't know how far 
I was tweaking, dude. I thought I was sprinting like 300 miles an hour. I didn't notice how well, Usain Bolt made it to Hardy's. You know what I mean? But I don't really know how fast I made it there. And I ran into Hardy's bathroom, dude, and I pulled my pants down like I was taking a shit. And I took my sweater off, stuffed it in my backpack, and pushed the backpack behind the toilet. <laughs> and I hear, I hear the door open. And I hear, Tyler. No, I'm not yet. Oh, you knocked? Yeah, I said, hey, who's in there? He said, Tyler. I said, Tyler fucking who? I said, Tyler, or I said, open this fucking door right now. I was like, I'm shitting. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I said, you can shit with the door open then. Yeah. Yeah. So, because so, I didn't believe you. I thought you were maybe flushing shit or something. Yeah. So, you open the door, I come in, and we scared the shit out of you, or somebody did. Yeah, the so very first, sure did that. The very first thing you said to me, looking at me as I'm, like, sitting there, you're like, you look like fucking shit. And I'll never forget that. Because yeah. that's the first thing is, when you opened the door, we made eye contact. The first thing you said was, you look like shit. It wasn't like, what did you do? It's like, why are you fake shitting? Like, what did yeah. you just steal? Anything like that. It was, you look like shit. And I I remember that very much so to this day. And I remember the random shit you had. There was, there, the rope was on top of the toilet. The the backpack, like you said, was behind it. And I opened it up and it's just a <clears> bunch <throat> of random shit, like you said. <laughs> just random shit, but... I got to do it. I got to put the handcuffs on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, that's how you got your charge. Yep. Uh, initially, it was criminal trespassing and burglary. They dropped the trespassing um, and did hit me with burglary, though. Yeah. And I, I was given a way out. Right. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if that's the the God's honest truth, but he said, you know, the officer, I think it was Hedges. Hedges, yeah. Yeah, he's like, if you just tell me what you were doing, you know, We'll, we'll make this a little bit less than what it what it actually is. And I was like, I know my fucking rights. <laughs> I had a mask on. You can't identify me. You don't know shit. Even though my backpack had all the stuff that I needed. You know, that y'all needed. Um, but no, and then I got sent to, uh, then I got sent to Coles County Jail. So <laughs> Burglar. Yeah. Old felony. Yep. Class two. Dammer. Yeah. And then you got convicted. Yep. So... Now we're getting to the point where now you fucked up enough, you're getting the record, um, but you're still an addict, yeah. right? So, but um, was it court mandated to go to like rehab at this point? Yeah. So you had to go. Yeah. Right. So talk about that. Well, first off, I got out of jail and I was out for a day, um, and I didn't know I had pretrial. And I remember I had a warrant. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I had a warrant. Um, and. I had just, so I'd been arrested, you know, and obviously I didn't learn my lesson. So I was upstairs and I just mixed a shot up and I was, you know, I just sucked it back. And uh, I heard dad outside talking to somebody. And I was like, dad never talks to nobody. And then uh, I hear the door open and I hear Tyler. So I have a needle in my hand and I peek my head around the corner. It's fucking Luke Wilson. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> he goes, hey, here, here to pick you up when you're on a warrant. It's like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I dropped it. I dropped it there. Um, and I went to jail for a few more days. And I called our officer, Wilson Farva, like four times because he was super new. I was like, call it, call Ramrod, dude. <laughs> he did not think it was as funny as I did. <laughs> but uh, So you left a loaded needle there or you already shot it up? No, I left a loaded needle there. And ironically, as Wait soon as I get back. Yeah, as soon as I got back, I went upstairs and that was the first thing I did. And it's funny. I don't know if you guys ever hear people in jail talking never been there most likely but it's like man when i get out i'm gonna change my life i'm gonna be a man of god i'm never gonna do shit again 
I'm not going to smoke cigarettes. In like two and a half seconds after they get out, they've already called everybody that they previously knew mm-hmm. and are doing the exact same thing. And it, same thing. I was in jail. It's like, man, it's I started. Addiction, man. It's, yeah. It's not fucking easy. Right. I started reading the Bible, dude. I got like four pages into Genesis. I was like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> this is the most boring It book. sounded good. Yeah, it sounded good. Yeah. Uh, but I went, got out, went right back up and shot that stuff up. Um, and it sat there for just over two weeks. Um, Way to go, Luke. You missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, yes, they told me that part of my probation was that I had to go to seed council. So I went to seed council. Um, I went through the 30-day program there, and I got out, and, uh, you know, I was a a changed man. I was a changed man. I started working for your dad. Um... But I don't know if your dad ever listened to this. I totally lied to him. <laughs> I lied to your sure dad. Um, yeah, I'm sure he did too. When I was doing Kratom, and he found one of the pill bottles one time outside, and I was like, who the fuck put that there? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Kratom? So, Kratom, um, it's, I think it's honestly a derivative of a coffee bean. But as you, people, it, it's claimed to fame is like, you can use it and help yourself off of okay. opiates and stuff like that. But depending on how much you take, you get an opiate high and or like a kind of a meth high. And you can just go buy this shit in tobacco shops, like shit. to this day, right now. Is that like that green shit? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. I don't know. You can huh. go buy that right now. And that's I started doing that because I was like, well, I'm not shooting up. I mean, it's not heroin. It's not meth or opiates. Right. So I'm okay. But then I was like, fuck, I was eating two 30-gram containers in a day. It's like, damn it, dude. I'm right down the same path. And then I was just like, fuck it. And then I started doing the shit that I did originally. Right. Um, I'm going to do something. Might as well do the real shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was lying to everybody, you know? Um, I was lying to your dad. I was lying to Seed. Well, you, and that's another thing. Like, you've been lying your whole life. Oh. So you're good at it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's natural for you. Absolutely. So wasn't there a point a Jeep got caught on fire or something? Do I remember? Yeah, my Jeep. That was, well, that was the North Fork guy, too. I owed a... Uh, um, I think it was like 150 bucks, 75 bucks, but I got 300 hydrocodone yeah. from somebody, and I didn't have all the money. And for some reason, they trusted me to pay him back. <laughs> Not a good idea. That was my call too. Was it? I got called to that. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember I was talking to the firefighters. I said, "Let that motherfucker burn." Asshole. I said, "Who cares?" I didn't have no insurance said, on it or nothing. I said, "This motherfucker deserves it." So don't don't you get your damn water out? Which they didn't know they're not going to listen to me, but that's yeah. honestly how I felt. I said, "Fuck him. He deserves this." So it burnt down, and I still found a way to make money off that damn Jeep. <laughs> I called a salvage company that paid me $125 to haul my Jeep off, and I went and got high with it. <laughs> I was getting ready to ask you to go pay your fucking uh, bill off of there. but the Jeep? Uh, yeah. No, man. You know, I, I didn't pay anything. I manipulated everybody in my life. My father, my grandparents, um, the girls that I was with, every single person. Um, my grandma actually paid for, uh, paid for that Jeep. No shit. Yep, she paid for it. I told her I'd pay her back. Again, another one of those situations where nobody ever should have believed me because I didn't even have insurance on it. I was too cheap. I yeah. didn't pay for the insurance on it. So it burned down. I had nothing. It was gone. Total loss. Um, so. That's crazy. It was pretty rough. I want to hear about what Task Force missed. Oh, I was at a... We're getting towards the recovery part. We are. We are. All right, let's talk about it. So I was outside of a, a known drug dealer's house. Um... And I was sitting, and this is, I don't know what your guys' feels on God or whatever, but this was my God moment. Like, I was constantly at this guy's house, and I was never, like, I was the drug dealer that literally stole shit and peddled and begged you for a quarter gram. I was never the guy that had money. Um, 
So I was at this guy's house. I was going to give him a ride somewhere. He was going to give me some dope, right? Um, so I go outside to hop in the van because um, I was getting ready. We're going to go somewhere, drop something off, and then I was going to get paid. And as I'm sitting inside the van, I light up a cigarette. And next thing I know, I look, and around the corner comes an Impala flying, dude. I was like, holy shit. And then a police truck. And then the entire area just erupts with lights, dude. Cop car, cop car, cop car, Impala, God knows whatever else. Cop car is over here, dude. I'm, and I'm sitting in the van going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And I look in the mirror, and I see them going to guy's house. Um, and I'm like, oh. They don't know that I'm in the fucking van, dude. It's like, I got these assholes. And the next thing I know, I hear, get on the fucking ground. And I look over and there's a gun pointed at me. And I go, oh, shit. <laughs> Put my hands up like this. And they pull me out, dude. And I'm laying on the ground. I was like, I got a cigarette in my mouth. I got a cigarette in my mouth. <laughs> Pulls a cigarette out. And they're looking under my fingernails and stuff. Um, but what they missed was I had, you know, the small pockets yep. in your jeans. Yeah. I had dope. I had dope in that pocket, and I'm three officers missed it. Not to mention any names, but three of them that searched me missed it. Then. I yeah. thought you were gonna have a better hiding spot than that. Gets in my. That's always where. It's incredible, probably how much we've missed. Oh, yep. oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But three officers. I just want to say I was it. not one of the three. Yeah, yeah you missed it before. I would have. You always checked that pocket. I would have damn. You would have butt naked. One hundred percent. But you missed. You missed some I've significant missed a lot. shit Fuck before. Yeah, I have. yeah. One in particular comes shit. to my mind. <laughs> yeah, <long>. there's, there's <laughs> a very one, easy one. one big one that still comes think about up. it every day. I learn from that shit. I'm eight, not saying I'm better than anybody else. Check trunks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. The <laughs> <laughs> bitch told me she had thirteen. I checked her. I mean, I still give you. I checked her purse and she had thirteen grams. I give you props. I know she was talking about thirteen ounces or pounds. Thirteen pounds in the back. Thought it was ounces. No, it was ounces. Was it ounces? Yeah. There's a hell of a difference. Thirteen pounds. There's a hell of a difference. It was was four years ago. Seizure of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So I missed thirteen ounces in the trunk because I didn't check the trunk because I found ounces of what? Meth. Oh damn! Yeah, that's yeah. I found I found the thirteen that she was talking about. But she someone talking about did it. Did someone come pick the car up later and it still had all? Yeah, I, I thought I'd do her a favor and not, not tow the car because I was hoping she was over the task force. Sure, she was right on the phone ASAP. No, she got out and probably got back and the motherfucker and drove it away. Yeah. I mean, you still got yourself in that position. I mean, yeah. It I'll, just sucks that you I'll, found I'll out later. It, cool making mistakes. Yeah. I learned from it. Anyways. Yeah, task force took me to jail. Actually, that night, FBI questioned me. Um, but I didn't have anything on me. I told the guy. What did you do with the dope? Huh? You flush it when you got back to the Oh, field. no, I mean, it was still it was still there, but nobody had found it. Right. So I told them, you know, I was like, I'm not. They tried to get me to sign a piece of paper. Like, hey, sign this piece of paper. So you're in an interview room with the FBI. Yeah. Methamphetamine in your pocket. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, and they tried to get me to, to talk, and they, had me, they asked me to sign a piece of paper. I told them I wasn't going to sign it. And they're like, well, we're what we're trying to do is we're going to get you with conspiracy. Um, and as he got up and he's walking towards the door, he's like, "Do you want to say anything?" I said, "No, I want to talk to my lawyer." And he looked at me and goes, "And that's the exact same thing Tuggle said." And he's looking at twenty five to life. And he walked out and closed the door. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" Because like, you know that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude, maybe I should have said something," you know. But I I didn't. And luckily, knock on wood, nothing's ever came of it. Sure. But um, yeah, that was. That was tearing. I still continue to rip and tear, man. That that wasn't that wasn't my moment. But you know, like I said, I was a god moment, dude. I could have been in the house, and I don't know from your guys' perspective, but that's if that's different. You know, if I'm if I'm in the house, is it a different charge for me? Possibly, could be. Yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) They let me. So much goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. What absolutely did suck was y'all assholes 
drove me to the police station, and then you made me fucking walk back. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that happened a lot. Yeah. I was like, what? You're going to give me a ride, dude? We gave you a ride halfway. I mean, yeah. No, he made me walk back. Dude. Well, you didn't even cooperate. Why would we give you a ride? Well, for all that you knew, I did cooperate. <laughs> so what, what was the turning point? Uh... I know there wasn't really one specific one, but no. I mean, how many times were you in and out of, out of uh, rehab and stuff like that? I went to rehab twice. Okay. Um, the second time was after I was working with your father. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it 200 and, uh, 242 days clean, and then I started using the uh, Kratom and all the other stuff. And I was going to meetings, you know, and I was doing, quote unquote, what was requested or suggested of me. Um I wasn't completely, you know, but I went out and I did my thing. And then uh, I was like, man, I need to go back. This isn't how mm-hmm. I want to do it. Because I had a taste kind of of what life could be like. You know, the turning point was waking up in jail. Yeah. That was not fun, you know. Um, and actually, it was a lot of it was your, believe it or not, it was your dad. Um, because, you know, throughout my life, when he brought me to wrestling, you know, he showed me what what that was that was like right and when i was working with him it's like your daddy if i would have called him and said hey i'm in new mexico i'm in a really shitty situation uh, your dad would have dropped everything he was doing and he would have made a way to new mexico he would have got me yeah he would have got me that was the first time that i noticed and my my counselors you know but that was the first time that somebody had faith in me that i didn't have in myself sure um and that's what it, it initially took you know, um, I mean, you obviously you were there, but I was seeing you like in spatters. I saw your dad every day, right. and, you know, and he tried to pour into me um, and he brought me to church and all this other stuff. But he took the time and he made sure that I was going to church every day, he, I mean, every Sunday. And he made sure that I showed up to work. I tried to call into work one time. I was like, Greg, I am egging it. Dude. I don't feel good. Motherfucker came to my house at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. He was like, get out of bed, you lazy son of a bitch. I remember that. And I was like, man. Damn it! It's like I totally counted that I was sleeping. This was, ain't how a job works. You can't yeah. force me. Yeah, seriously, it's like, what kind of job is this? It's like a slave camp, dude. That's my life, Tom. Yeah, I'm sure. Right way, I wonder how you ended up like this. Yeah. But uh, somebody believed in me when I did not believe in myself, cool. and they made it apparently clear. Um, you know, again, I, I had family and everybody that that believed in me, but they didn't go out of their way like your dad did mm-hmm. to help bring me to the point that I was. And your mom, you know, they were, right. you guys were huge. Um, and even throughout my life. Right. You know? Well, and that's the thing, like, to that point, the only support, quote unquote, that you've had through your family and everything was drug addicts mm-hmm. that turned to drugs whenever shit got bad. Right. You know? So this was maybe the one of the few, fewer first times that you had a support that didn't have drugs associated with it. Right. I don't want to take anything away from my parents. You know, my my dad, he's a he did the best that he could with what he had. And honestly, for all intents and purposes, he was a great dad. He never encouraged me to do drugs. In fact, he pushed me in sports. He made me he told me not to do the drugs. He was very, very supportive. You know, I had a I just had a different agenda and I had already made the mistakes that I was going to make before it got to that to that point. You well, know, and so, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember this, you know, because you guys didn't move back here until your freshman in high school didn't he basically just kind of kidnap you and say we're going back to illinois yeah yeah dad picked because maybe me up. he saw them maybe going down the wrong path yes like, similar to your brother and my sister and my yeah. mother yeah. yeah so yeah. he woke me up one day and was like hey we're leaving it's like i didn't say bye to nobody dude and we came here <laughs> and i still it's crazy how that works sure it follows you they'll yep. find you but yeah. that's it's 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 funny we say that be not funny but you know what i mean um 
coincidental because we hear that all the time, how people, when they say they want to turn their lives around, they're like, well, well I'm going to move out of this place. And it's like, I tell them all the time, I'm like, I understand what you're saying. And I, I hope whatever happens to, to make you do that, to, to get better, I hope that it is. And if it is moving, then cool. But it'll find you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. You know, you found it here, you can find it yeah. anywhere. So the book yeah. says, no matter where I go, there I am. Yeah. Yep. When I say the book, right, NARA, basically wherever you go, you're an addict, whatever. Until you fix the stuff internally yep. that causes you to do what you're doing, you're going to find wherever you want when you want. Sure. And that was the biggest struggle for me was that I wanted you to change, but it was me wanting you to change, and I knew you didn't want to right. yet. It wasn't and me. I couldn't tell you how many times I, I, I just contemplated not doing it on duty, but off duty going in and, and basically kicking your door. And even though I know I was, I was welcome, you know, your dad would let me in anytime. Yeah. Like, come on in. But I just wanted to beat the fuck out of you, honestly. And the two things, two, two main reasons why, well, <laughs> two main be, reasons why, I, why I didn't one, I didn't want to lose my job. And two, I knew I had my fucking hands. <laughs> exactly. So it was going to be a scrap. Yeah. We've sure. heard stories. About... Even, even the tweaking little 119 yeah. pound ass would still give me a run for my money. So yep. I didn't know how, how well that would go. So that was another reason why I didn't want to do it. But I honestly did. Like I, I was pissed. I, fucking hated it because i you know i i tried to i went through i went through different phases where you know i tried to be there for you to help you out financially and then i tried to be there emotionally i tried to i tried to support you knowing that knowing what you were going through i tried to help you and it was like it it wasn't working so then it became pissed and it became i wanted to fuck you up and and then i just had to kind of talk to myself and be like what it's not about you Devin. like nothing you're gonna do is going to change him until he wants to change. Right. So it, it was a struggle, but look Your at us now. Told me he was going to tie me up in the basement. Yeah, I remember that. That's all that helped him. I was like, Greg, that's not going to fix me because I'm still going to be an addict when I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> yeah. So um, how long have you been clean now? Uh, two years was February 26th. Fuck yeah. Awesome. awesome. Congrats, brother. Yes, Thank you. absolutely. Uh, I know I've told you before, but I'm fucking stupid proud of you. Yeah. Um, so what are some things that, um, maybe if somebody's listening to this that is struggling with addiction or whatever, what are some things that, uh, cause there, there's no right, right way, right? Every person's experience is different. Yeah. So what can you talk about some of the things that have helped you, um, mentally or whatever, what has been the difference for you to be able to continue to, to keep that streak going? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know how much you guys know about addiction and the programs and stuff that are offered, but first off, I had to go to rehab and I had to get off drugs. Um, and I had to realize that it was okay to do that. You know, I was terrified to go through withdrawals and that's why a lot mm-hmm. of people, dude, I would shoot up in a heap of tears. I didn't want to, I just didn't know how to get away. It's like, God, why am I, I literally would beg. It's like, God, why, why am I this way? And if there's any other way or if there's escape, please fucking show me, but this is not what I want for my life. You know, don't get me wrong. It was fun for a little bit but when it controls your life it's no longer mm-hmm. fun um well, your body has to have it yeah yeah, yeah. physically mentally and emotionally. Pretty sick like you can't get out of bed yeah but um you know what helped me was aa and a um you know and i'm not by no means i would consider myself an alcoholic but if you read the na book it tells you any mind or mood altering substances uh, you have to stay away from so you know for the first time in my life i listened to somebody um and it's it's been the saving grace for me i said i have a lot of support um you know my micah um she's huge support to me my dad now actually dad super proud of me really yeah super super proud of me my mom and everybody supports it you know and i i make it known that's what i'm doing right you know 
but maybe it's just it's not for praise for one it's for accountability you know mm-hmm. if i move and i tell people that this is what i'm doing i have other people than just myself that are holding me accountable they expect it yeah you know i will go to meetings and i got a sponsor you know which is suggested i mean i work the steps and i continue to do that but that was hard for me initially because i was like you guys are an absolute fucking cult you want me to go here and this is like your train of thought and you're going to tell me how to live my life? I was like, this is dumb. I'm not doing it. But it's the only thing that's ever kept me sober as long as I have been. Sure. I was like, man, I don't care right now. I'm telling me to shove hubcaps up my ass. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Seriously. A little extreme, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's what, hey, is this right. going to keep you sober? I'll do it. Right. You know? And it's, it's, so, it's so rewarding right now because I have a daughter that calls me dad. Right. And I'm proud to be that person. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I work at a, I work at a company where people call, look to me as a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm training people and I'm helping people, and it, it's absolutely incredible the way that my life has changed. When I first started there, dude gave me an, uh, an iPad, a cell phone, and a car. I mean, he said to go drive. I was like, you know what I used to do with this shit? <laughs> <laughs> seriously, it was at that leap of faith. That's so a lot of good money right here. Yeah, seriously, dude. This is, is this the new one, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It feels like it. Yeah. How long had you been clean whenever you got cut the job? At Legacy? Yep. Oh, shit. You know, I was out of rehab like two months. So that was a big, yeah, big leap of faith. A huge leap of faith. But that's not the first time they've done that, though, is it? Don't they? Cause I think there's several guys on there that are. There is, yeah. So A lot of recovering addicts. And... Yeah. Yep. You know, I don't. Caleb's story is his to tell, but he's got a lot of, uh, you know, relationships with addiction in his you know in his circle um and one of the things that he likes to do is he likes to give people a second chance because as you were talking earlier like that when you're labeled as that addict it's very hard to gain that trust back um so caleb prides himself on on doing that and we have quite a few people in there that you never if you guys if you know the lineup of legacy you know what i mean some of the people that work there dude you were like not a chance would this guy make it (laughs) not a chance so you're saying if i walked into a meeting i probably wouldn't be very well liked in the room well, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, that's the that's the thing. Though. When you realize you're, when you're not doing anything stupid, the cops don't scare you. Yeah, we're not bad people when no. you're not doing illegal stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I wholeheartedly believe that the moment that I got arrested, that was the moment, one of the moments that changed my life. Right. You know, and at first I hated you, right? And I was like, that he's my friend. How Likewise. dare that fucker mm-hmm. arrest me? How yeah. dare he? <laughs> we were friends in college. Why don't you just let me go? <laughs> You know, but what you did do was set a chain of events in motion that actually ended up changing my life. That's what I was hoping for. And it it worked. It worked. So, you know, if it wasn't for you and the people that arrested me that day, I would not be here. I would guarantee it because there's I don't learn because things are easy. When the pain gets great enough, you make a change. And huge thing in addicts. If it was easy. Yeah, I would not. I would not change. I'm continuing to do what I'm doing. We are Absolutely. creatures of habit. Yeah, you know? yeah that's cool hearing that. How because there's like in countless times, and you guys probably done the same thing in an interview or something where it's like if nothing else comes out of this. You know, I, I like what I think would be cool is to have one day someone you know that you arrested come back, maybe a year or two years down the road, and they look great. You know, and they're a totally changed person. That's you know, I've said that in interview. I was like, I nothing else. I'd you know, it'd be a huge win for that person to come back and visit me, you know, a time later and where they're totally changed. And that's got to be a pretty good feeling. Because well, there's, you know, part of our interviews, the main part of our interviews whenever we arrest somebody like that uh, for addiction and for possessions and stuff like that um, is we try to get them to cooperate. And, and sometimes people say, I, I just want to get better. I want like you can't I can't tell you how many times I get somebody into an interview room 
and the first thing they they do is they take a deep breath, it's and they're this, like, it's oh, a, "This man. is this is a huge relief." It's a weight lifted yeah. off your right. shoulders. And they're like, they're like, first of all, thank you, like fuck you, but thank you. Um, you know, I'm not interested in working with you, but I I need to get better, and maybe this is the first step. And there's been a few times where people will actually have came back and like thanked me mm-hmm. and have changed their life, and it's that. And I I just did an interview. Um, was it yesterday, day before? I don't know. The other day, last couple of days with a school administrator, they're doing something. Oh, for it's Wednesday. <clears throat> yeah. Um, for the kids because everything's online and everything now. So they're trying to do projects. So he came in and he said, um, what's the hard part about your job? And, and I told him that, um, you know, for a large amount of the time, I have to be a bad person knowing that or hoping that I'm doing something good. Yeah. But I'm still a bad person to somebody whether it's a family member or that person at the time, like me taking them to jail or arresting them or whatever, I'm the bad person. And very few times they come back and they, they tell me, thank you, which is awesome. But it's like, we have to be the bad people so many times in a hope, in hopes that it changes their life. And I tell people every day, I'll be the bad guy every single day. If it changes the life, you know? Oh yeah. That one phone call out of the 30 people he arrested is, it just makes, who cares? I mean, I clearly did something. Right. Yeah. And just hopefully that they keep on it. But, yeah. you know, just that one phone call is like, I clearly, I, I think I helped somebody, you know. Yeah. There's then, other 29, who knows, but right. we got one. Yeah. And then, but then it really does hurt seeing people do so well for so long and then go back because it's always there, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure it's something that you still struggle with today, it, you know. Yes, it is, you know. Um, not so much as I used to, but I don't, I'm never going to just be cured. You know? Right, mm-hmm. right. Depending on the way that you perceive addiction, you know, I I follow the disease model. Uh, Maybe it's just because the way for me it makes sense, you know. But if you perceive it that way, you are never cured. Um, But you can always combat those feelings, you know. And now I have an out. I know what to do. I have people to call. You know, I have accountability buddies, and I have I have so much going for me right now. It's it's unfathomable unfathomable to look back. I just. Man, it's so. Would you say that something that you would suggest to people is to find something to fill the void, something positive? Yeah, I would say go to a meeting. Yeah, I would say go to a meeting and don't fill a void. Just go to a fucking meeting and talk to somebody. Yeah, and talk to somebody. We are emotional people, and we just yeah. don't know how to figure it out. You yeah, know? what you need to do is you. Need and you to don't have to do it alone. No, like you can ask for help. I remember this and this stuck with me for uh, stuck with me forever. But, um, Kizgen talking about whenever we're in study tables, how he called it the wrestler mentality, how we have all these guys in study tables that are fucking failing classes, but there's people, other students, that will literally be your tutor for free. All you got to do is ask for help, but yeah. it's this wrestler mentality that we have too much pride to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just something that stuck with me forever. Because we, we talk about like mental health and law enforcement and the suicide rate and stuff like that, and a lot of it's because police officers don't want to reach out for help because that's not the kind of people we are and similar to military and you know, even college athletes, just, um, very type A or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, alpha male, you know, and, or female, whatever, but we don't want to ask for help. So I remember kids getting always saying that. So something similar. Yeah. And one of the number one traits of an addict is denial. Yeah. You know, I'm not an I'd shoot up and I'm like, it's just like candy. Dude, I just want more. I'm not an addict. Yeah. Cause I'm sick of the needle. Just doing it for fun. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I can't tell you how many times I've told you that. Yeah. <laughs> just doing it for fun. <laughs> Daily. Daily. <laughs> That's crazy as hell. 
Dude, I'm proud of you. I am. Oh, yeah. I, I am, too. Yeah. Like, I know we didn't know each other well, but, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a good feeling not hearing your name ever. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good thing. Because <laughs> I talk, I talk to them about you quite often. Yeah. Be like, it's crazy having a best friend going through something, and that's like, I can't do much about it. But it's my goal, but, like, man, it was, it was crazy. Because for that, at that period of time, you know, because we know, like, whenever we're doing this and, and you're talking to three guys that are really um, – Proactive and go after death because it's so so prevalent, um, prevalent in Mattoon and in the Coles County area. Um, we have a list of names, and that's really all it is. A list of names that we kind of look for these people. We drive by houses, but it's always just a list of names. So for the first time, it was it wasn't just a list or a name on the list. Whenever it was you, it was so much more personal, right? And it became so much more real for me. Yeah. So, but it it kicked my career off even more because because of that personality that, that personal relationship to it it was like i had to do it more yeah and it was like a, you, i mean you we are we're a lot alike where if we're going to do something we're going to be the best at it oh absolutely so for a while yours was doing drugs yeah so. i thought i was good at it you were, you, were, <laughs> you were the best at it probably so. in my head man this is the, definitely the longest one we've ever had yeah Love it. longest podcast yeah oh sweet man i ain't talking for hours <laughs> an hour and a half's already gone by has it really dude it's crazy how fast time goes whenever you get behind the mic yeah so yeah. <clears throat> um i guess we can wrap stuff up here unless you got anything else you want to really share i mean any kind of insights or any, anything that you any whatever um suggestions stuff that you do on a daily basis to help you um I know you got into jujitsu. Yeah, jujitsu has been huge for me because it's a it, it's a way for me to get back into wrestling, which I once loved. Right. You know, um, and I have an absolute blast doing jujitsu, dude. It is it is so fun. Tommy Butler, he's a, he's a great guy, man. Um, and the the gym that he runs, Precision Combat, is just it's it's serious. I mean, I would I recommend that all you guys at least try it, you know, if you've never done it. It's so cool. Tommy, give you guys a great rate, I'm sure. <laughs> a little plug to Tommy. I'd love to learn some of that shit. I mean, because in our line of work, I think it'd be awesome to That's life, dude. Yeah, you have multiple is. kids and work and everything else. So. I, still, uh, I still go to meetings. Um, as of right now, normally I go to, uh, it's about one meeting a week, you know. Um, I meet my sponsor on Sundays. I go to church on Sundays as well. Um, you know, and I, my, the way things are completely different, dude. I went, I flew to Pennsylvania last year for a training. Um, I flew to Florida four times. I flew to Utah. I went skiing. Um, I just went to California for, a, I think it was called Rise of Kings. And that. To develop, help develop leaders. And I'm bring glad them. you brought that up because I completely forgot and I was yeah. about to end this podcast. So yeah, dude, it was, was su- I'm super excited to hear about awesome. this. Super awesome. Um, later tonight, I actually leave and take Charlie to Disney World. No shit. Good for you. you know, so like, both of you. thank you, thank you. The way that the way that my life has changed, it went from riding a bike at 3 a.m. again, what I called shopping, figuring out what somebody had left close enough to the curb for me to feel comfortable stealing it. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. doing all of this stuff and flying and being able to be present with my kid and bringing her to Disney World. You know, um, I was a lead salesman. Legacy Hype it up, bro. Tell your shit. That's a one point seven million dollars. I'll fucking do. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it was it's crazy. I I went from somebody that I could not stand looking at in the mirror, and I truthfully mean that when I say that. You know, it actually kind of chokes me up thinking about the person that I used to be. You know what I mean? But now getting to do the things that I've done is like, man, why would you ever stay in that situation? And it was because I was terrified for one to ask for help, and I didn't know I could get out. 
you know? Yep. I remember uh, you had a warrant and you had just left your house and I drove by. I pulled over to stop and talk to you and I said, hey, you know, you got a warrant. He said, yeah, I'm going to see Charlie. I said, motherfucker, this will be the last time I ever let you walk knowing you have a warrant. Yeah. I said, but I said, <clears throat> I looked at you straight in the eyes. I said, you're a fucking piece of shit. I hope you know that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I said, it's not about you anymore. You get, you're going to see your daughter. That's the only reason I'm letting you walk right now. Uh, because I want you to see your daughter. I don't know if you actually did. <laughs> I, don't uh, I was getting ready to say, I'm sure that you would have. I don't think you did. And actually, I think it was the same day that Luke came and got it was, you. Because they came and got you like an hour later. If that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I they, would, they went down to the house, and I'm like, they didn't even fucking tell me. Like, I had just let him walk by, but I was like, I, I remember getting out, and I said, you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And you looked at the ground, and you said, I know, Devin. I would have followed his ass there to that house, made <laughs> sure. No, I, I turned around, because I didn't believe him when he said that he was going to let me walk. I was like, uh-uh, dude. I was like, if I'm in my house, like, I got all kinds of escape routes. You know what I mean? And honestly, the only reason I didn't run was because when I noticed it was Luke Wilson, that motherfucker used to beat me <laughs> in track all the time. Oh, yeah. He is fast. Oh, dude. yeah. And in my head, I had, like, as I was riding to jail, I was like, man, I could have jumped out Dad's back window, <laughs> onto the shed, onto the fence, and out the door, you know? But it was, it, I just, it was done. I was done. I, was I think done. that was kind of the last, I don't know, kind of interaction that we had with me in uniform and you kind of, you know, and. I'll never forget calling you a piece of shit and you looking at the ground and just saying, I know, yep. I know, Devin. I know I am. Stick with me forever. Did that that help you, him calling you names? <laughs> I'm not saying what I did was right. I don't think it was bad either. But, you know, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I tried, curious. like I said, I tried, I tried the support. I tried everything and I had even arrested you now at that point and you were still living the same life. So I was just pissed. I was fucking over it. And uh, like, I, there was just a lot of anger, honestly. Yeah. Um, I was, I was really mad at you. Mm-hmm. I was, um, so I, I was okay with calling you a piece of shit. Yeah. But, but sounds like he it. went and bought, though, because if he had a load of needles an hour later. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, sure he clearly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I knew it, but if the one chance that he was actually really going to see his daughter. Yeah. 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 I get it. Yeah. It was two blocks away. Yeah. And then I came back and I was like, I really am, because I told the mother that I was going to be there. Um, but my, you know, nothing's slower than a tweaker in a hurry. Um, yeah, we know about that. Yeah, I'll be there in five minutes and like four and a half days later. You ain't got to explain that to <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I was I was gonna go, but I went down the street, got my drugs, came back. You know, they didn't like shooting up at people's houses. It was weird. I always felt like I was a drug addict in their bathrooms. <laughs> you know, I didn't like that feeling. Um, but yeah, and I'd gotten back to the house. I didn't even get to use the drugs that I just bought. <laughs> I was so pissed off. Well, good. Fuck you, then. Right. How dare Luke's ass arrest me? Dude, I, honestly, I don't want to end because we spent so much time talking about the negative things of your life that we didn't really, we just now started talking about the positive, and I want to keep going. I mean, if you guys are cool, I don't give a fuck. I gotta go. Yes, you guys can, I've uh, got plane works. Oh. Or we can bring you back or whatever, but real brief, I do want you to talk at least about um, that mission or whatever. The Rise of Kings. Yeah, because yeah. so. you start talking to me about it on the phone, and I said, shut the fuck up. I want to hear it the first time on the podcast. So. Yeah, dude, it was so cool. It was so cool. Uh, so it's a faith-based um, it's a faith-based event, you know, but you go there, and it's not just like it, – it, it felt like a military boot camp, dude. It was it was crazy. So, like, right when you got there, like, we were push-pressing weights, and they're spraying you down with hoses. And, like, mind you, like, I'm like – I'm – I have like no fat on me, dude. And it's when it's 45 degrees outside, I shiver. I'm freezing. <laughs> and they're spraying me down with water. And, um, you know, towards the end of the day, we've been in, we've been getting soaked all day long. And they put us in this ice bath, right? And they're like, why are you here? And um, one of my biggest struggles is, you know, I, I struggle with opening up to people. Uh, and I, you know, I'm on 
I believe in God, you know, but my faith is not like this my strongest suit. So sure. I got in the ice bucket, and the first thing I said was like, I don't believe in God. I think the Bible is horseshit, and I don't ever show up for my girlfriend. <laughs> and the guy looked at me and was like, shit. You think I was going to have a different reaction? I was like, fuck, please just, yes, honestly, I wanted to get out of the ice bath, dude. I didn't want to get in there. But what I found out was I was sitting on the outside, right? And I noticed, I knew that we got done at 10 o'clock, you know? So I was like, if I just outlast everybody, dude, I don't have to get in this fucking ice bath. You know, so I was sitting there. And when I realized that it was well past 10 o'clock and that everybody was going to go into that damn ice bath, man, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. You know, but um, what, I, what I learned about myself is that at that moment was, you know, I always, always look for an out. It was in, it was in wrestling and in, in my relationship. I always look for the easiest path. And at that moment, the easiest path for me was not getting in that damn ice bucket, dude. <laughs> and I was not going to do it. I was going to wait. And I was going to wait. Um, and I, and I always push until stuff gets hard. Push until it gets hard. Then it gets hard. And in my head, because I'm, a, you know, beating on your chest, macho man. Um, I always thought that I pushed through, but in reality, dude, every time something ever gets hard for me, my fucking knees fold and I'm done. I'm done and I'm out. And I don't want to do it anymore because shit sucks and it's not fun anymore. Um, and every, in wrestling, it was because I didn't want to get tired. I would wrestle not to get tired and just so I could hold on. Wrestle not to lose is what okay. uh, kids called it. I wrestled to win, not wrestle not to lose. Uh, but man, they strapped gloves on us and we went to this gym. And it was an MMA gym, and I was stoked because I was like, ain't none of y'all motherfuckers wrestled or do jiu-jitsu. I'm about to fuck y'all up. And then the very first thing the guy said was like, have you ever punched another man in the face? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> he says, you're going to get the chance to fight another man today. So I walked into this gym like pumped up, dude. And uh, have you guys ever heard of Mango Almeida? No. Magno Almeida, sorry. No. It's, so it was that guy's gym, and I never heard of him either. But he goes, I recognize those ears, brother. He's like, did you jiu-jitsu and you wrestle? I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, I jiu-jitsu. And we talked a little bit. And he goes, do you ever box? I said, no. He's like, oh, your day's going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> like, hell no. So we were at this MMA gym, and I don't even get to do the stuff that I know how to do. Right. You know? But um, it was fun. And I actually, I luckily went up against a guy that never fought in his life. So I totally kicked his ass. It was a great time. <laughs> but, you know, um, one of those times, again, I got tired. And I just didn't want to continue to move it. But the brothers on the outside that were supporting me helped me get through it. Um, last thing I want to end with, because I don't want to take up completely all of our time, but <clears throat> we did this thing that's called the, the sand cookie, man. It's like we walked into the ocean, right? And mind you, again, the water in the ocean was like 43 degrees. It was not warm. Um, and I put, took my socks off and I stepped on the sand and my feet went numb. Dude, I was like, this is about to be a rough day for Tyler. About to be a rough day. Um, so we went into the ocean just by ourselves, right? And it's like, brothers, take 10 steps forward. And then we come out, and then he had us lock arms, you know, and he had us go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I mean, it's kind of, it's relatively apparent, but you can handle more as a group of people than you can as an individual, you know? So you have people to lean on, and I think it's a cool with addiction, you can tie it to the very same thing, because mm -hmm. that's one, that's actually the biggest thing that helps people get out of it, is talking to another person about it. Um, but again, I found out there with me, I thought it was, I'm the littlest one, dude. I'm with, there's two people on either side, and I'm like four and a half feet tall, dude. These waves are hitting them in the boobs, and it's drowning my ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it, and it just kept coming up to me. It's like, man, every time something has gotten hard, and it just biggest thing that I took away from that is like, man, I have ran from pain my whole life. I have ran from shit that has been hard my entire life, and I like I don't when I go home. You know, I'd be with my girlfriend, and she'd, she'd tell me just to love me. Love me. I'm like, I'm right here. It's like, what more do you want from me? I'm right in front of you. You know, but 
there's there's so much more to it and like i can be present and it doesn't have to feel i used to call it like, like a pussy mm-hmm. you know it's like i could tell her the way that i feel and it doesn't have to bring me down and i don't have to feel like a pussy about it but man it was it was absolutely incredible i don't want to tell all the things about all of the events because hopefully one of these days somebody's going to look into it and they're going to go to it but it was a huge experience and man if you ask caleb about it came he came back out he's on fire right now Good. so That's um, awesome you know, I want to, I would just want to continue doing, doing what I'm doing, man. It's, Dude, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. Yeah. I love it. Um, and it makes me, nothing makes me happier because of that, because of the low that we both were on. Yeah. For our situation to see the, the high that you're on now, um, a life high. Yeah. Know? It's, it's cool as fuck and I love it. I saw your dad last week. I was getting off a of Villa pizza and I told him that I had two years ago. I showed him, actually, I still have my coin. Um, I showed him. That coin, dude, he was like, that cries about anything. He started crying. I was like, what happened? I watched him rip Kyle Drumming's hearing out in practice, just like, bow. Yep. But it was, you know, seeing your dad cry, I was like, you know, it's cool. It's fucking dope. It's a very good feeling. Congrats again. Thank you. I love it. Awesome story, man. Man, anything else we want to end with? Oh, man, I'm just up to that. <laughs> <laughs> two hours, and I'm, I'm telling you, like, I could go more, but it is what it is. We all got shit to do. Yeah. Enjoy your trip with your daughter, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Thank you. Is it, is, uh, you, her and Micah, yep. all three going? Yeah. Is, awesome. is it with Legacy, or is it just you guys going? It's just us. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. Um, well, shout yourself out again, how people can find you if they needed a new roof. Yeah. Tyler Orr <laughs> at uh, Legacy Roofing and Restoration here in Mattoon. If your roof looks fucked up, give him a call. Hell yeah. He'll yeah. hook your ass up. <laughs> um, somebody said something about the police department needs a new roof. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good plug right there, Devin. I'll be sure to go contact him. <laughs> Where can people find you on the social medias and stuff? Tyler Orr. Tyler Orr. Yeah. So, just look you up on there. Uh, Legacy Roofing again. Top salesman. Killing the fucking game. <laughs> so, you go from uh, convicted felon. Uh, now you're recovering, recovering that drug addict to uh the the salesman um of the year and Successful. still killing it yeah. and, and going killing to life. disney world fucking going to disney world i'm fucking again man yep. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm, you i'm glad i could be a part of the part of the journey um and see it firsthand mm-hmm. i didn't love it all the time um, <laughs> me neither <laughs> but i love that we can sit and talk about it now so oh, yeah. you guys got anything else nope nope all right hopefully y'all enjoy this long ass podcast <laughs> Shit is definitely about twice as long as long as we've ever gone. But oh, yeah. regardless, um, check us out on the Instagrams, the Facebooks. Even though Tyler Poland sucks and doesn't do anything on the Facebooks, uh, follow us on Instagram so you can follow uh, along with what we're doing. I, I'm the one in charge of that, so do something decently right. Uh, but yeah, give us a follow. Give us. Uh, I think there's a way to rate us on Spotify or Apple or something. I don't know. I think there's a way to do that. Uh, if you have any questions for us about Tyler or anything else that's going on, do not be afraid to reach out and uh, send me a message or um, anything like that. So I think that's about it for now. I can't. We need to have you back so we can talk more about the yeah. the positive yeah, shit because we, we spent so much time again on the on the the negative parts. Not, maybe not even the negative parts, but just the, the the leading up to. And I feel like we had to skip through the the positive, but we'll get there. So. There's like 27 years of negative though, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all part of the process. Here we are today. So, T.R., appreciate you again. Love you, brother. Yeah. And uh, yeah, keep on keeping on. I shall. All right, Blue Tail Boners out. <laughs>